This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 48 of Banging on the Drum. I am your host, P-Dog, joined alongside my co-host, M-Dog. And how you doing today, M-Dog? I'm doing well. Looking forward to what we got coming up tonight. I like it. You're uh, you're playing into it good. But yeah, tonight we are going to have an interview. One of the better guests we've ever had on in, in terms of like insight and stuff like that. But anyways, we'll we'll blow it right off the bat. Uh, we got Dusty Evely coming on again, and he's kind of a X's and O's expert i don't think he likes to call himself an expert but he's pretty damn good at looking at like packers schemes and things like and i think especially offenses right so the offense is kind of where he makes his bread and butter yeah that, that's definitely what it seemed like last time so we're going to bring him on see who he might think some good fits are going to be uh in the draft for the packers scheme see what he thinks uh, the Packers are going to be doing moving forward, I guess, big change at the quarterback position, um, moving to love. So should have a bunch of good stuff. We haven't done the interview yet, but that will be the next thing you are hearing here. So we'll kick it to ourselves and Dusty, and we hope you guys enjoy Now, welcoming to Banging on the Drum, one of our fans' favorites guests from last year. You can catch him on the Pack-A-Day podcast. We have Dusty Evely. How you doing, Dusty? I'm great, dude. I'm great. Uh, good to be back after you're away from you guys. Uh, you know, interesting stuff on the Packers front. So, yeah, just uh, excited to be here and, and chop it up on a little Packer stuff, dude. Yes, thank you so much for coming back too. And honestly, so we we average probably like 15 listeners fluctuates. Maybe sometimes we'll get up to 50, but of our 15 solid followers, I would say 33% <laughs> of them actually reached out and they were like, dang, that that dusty interview was very good. I'll take it. I'll pat myself on the back. Appreciate that. Man. <laughs> no, no, it is it was. It was probably the most I've ever got texted. Like, hey, who who was that? And like, where where can we find him? So you got five, at least five more fans fans out of that. I'll so. take it, man. I'll take it. I appreciate it, dude. So we're gonna roll right into some stuff. So this is standard banging on the drum practice. So we're gonna ask you a, a bunch of questions outside of the sports realm. I guess some of them kind of have some sports ties, sure. but. We, we just like to see who we're interviewing. I think it was a new new thing we started since the last time we had you. So first question up on the deck, who was your favorite Ninja Turtle? Michelangelo. Okay. See, that's that's the best answer Um, because <laughs> that, that, we kind of judge people on that because we're like, sure. if you're Michelangelo, you know, you're kind of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. And if you're Raphael, you're kind of an asshole. So it's, uh, have you seen, have you watched the movie Bullet Train? Have you seen the movie Bullet Train? Yeah, I loved that. I, I was like, surprised how much I like. It's so good. There's the whole, the Brian Tyree Henry's whole thing about uh, what kind of tank you are from Thomas the Tank Engine. It's the same kind of thing. Where, which Ninja Turtle are you? Like, 
I do feel like a Michelangelo now that you say it. That's that's I appreciate that. Yeah, that yeah, easy, go with the flow, good team member, you know, kind of like breaks breaks sure. the awkward silence. But Very yeah. much into pizza. Yeah. Okay. And I can see it. You're definitely not a diesel. So so we <laughs> we we still got you here. So I don't you say it. My older brother was a big fan of Donatello and he he grew up to be an electrical engineer. So I think I think there's something to this, man. I think there's something to this. That is fun. I do have a buddy that will say Donatello is his favorite. Mike's usually our Ninja Turtles expert. That was that was definitely his jam. But Donatello, if I'm not that was that's purple, right? Purple. He's got the bow staff. He's like the really okay. smart one. It's like the inventor. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And my buddy that's uh favorite Ninja Turtle is that also electric. Oh no, he's a civil engineer. But okay. Anyways, right. and engineers. <laughs> so there's and then if you like michelangelo you just do podcasts about the packers i guess <laughs> i guess that's where we are man i'll take it yeah. all right is your favorite color based on this at all uh no i don't think so um blue i think okay so you'd been a leonardo guy. leonardo or, yeah. yeah yeah and he's the he's the you know the the stick up wherever leader uh, the, yeah leonardo's fine but yeah no it's not i, I guess I, I think about it now but my favorite color now is probably just green just because that is my uh you know i'm so inundated with packer stuff i feel like it's transition but as a kid it was blue so i'm still i'm still sticking with blue i like the color blue. in between yeah because i think i go red but yeah but not not Raphael. so i guess mine doesn't correlate as well but these those are Mike's favorite questions right off the bat. He here's comes to mind. So what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Oh man, um, I will go. It's tough because lately I've been trying to eat when I eat, which is not a ton. I try to do more local stuff. Um, but I think fast food in my area, I'm gonna go, I'll go five guys. I don't know if that, I guess that, I guess that probably counts as, as uh fast food still. Uh, yeah. That, that's kind of like the counter. It's, it's right in the middle. I feel like it's like elevated fast huh. food. Right. Yeah. We, we put that on the level of like fast casual, like it's too good to be fast food, but then okay. it's too quick to, yeah. I mean, you walk up to the counter. I feel like that your Chipotle's and stuff. Falling okay. So, if, so if we want to do like fast food, fast food, give me taco bell i always feel bad about myself afterwards but they got enough different <laughs> stuff like everywhere else i got my order locked in i know what i'm getting if i go to like wendy's or something taco bell there's always enough new stuff i <laughs> feel very adventurous calling it taco bell so i'll go i'll go taco bell yeah you gotta get to pick whatever like what's mm -hmm. on the value menu i like mm -hmm. that like that what is your drink of choice alcoholic we'll say you're a kentucky guy so i was I gonna say I was curious about I think it's stereotypical. I think I'm bourbon. I did not used to be. Um, it I usually, I mean, it's really more beer than anything, but I got a buddy of mine who's big into bourbon, gets a bunch of rare stuff. That's the, we go to his house for Packers games actually. So he, he brings out like taste, taste test, basically of rare bourbon. Uh, and so I've kind of gotten, I've gotten into that over the past, I don't know, probably five years, a little more so. So I'll go bourbon. It's, it's very on the nose for where I live, but. Yeah, no, I'm, I like it, but you definitely need that friend to kind of like introduce you into the world, like of oh what gosh. to look for. Um, I yeah, got into I've, it I've smoking cigars, paired well with that. 
It's been a while. I used to smoke cigars. It's been a while since I've had one. But yeah, when you, when you pair pair a good one, I think the last time was his young that buddy's his younger brother's bachelor party, where we basically just sat on his deck and smoked cigars, <laughs> drank bourbon, which was awesome. And yeah, that was it's tremendous. Yeah, no, that that is good stuff. I, I'm not a huge cigar smoker, but that was that was the window into it. It's like my uncle would be like, "You want a cigar?" And I like couldn't turn down my it's my <laughs> uncle in law as well so uh, like, okay yeah you gotta say yes yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's no turning that down and so this is getting more into the sport so do you were you ever a wwf guy wwe a couple times in my life as a younger man I, I didn't really watch it but like in elementary school um our neighbors had a nintendo we did not have a nintendo and like the wwf video game with like um ultimate warrior like the, the what i can't remember what year it was but I like I love that, and so we used to like do wrestling moves at like friends' house and stuff. Uh, but I didn't really watch it until uh, in college. I as, when I was in college, some buddies, some buddies of mine really, really got into it. I went to um, like a SummerSlam, and and they used to do like Raw here, just in, in Lexington. So I went to a number of like uh, Monday Night Raw stuff. I like I got into it, but at the same time, knowing like this is really dumb. This is my wife would catch me watching it sometimes when they're just if they're on the mic for 15 minutes. I'm like, is this a soap opera? Like, is this just keep it, keep it down? I can't, I can't hear what they're saying. But uh yeah, in college for like about two years, I got really, really into it. Who, who was your, keep them. Who was your my, guy? Uh man, it's so weird because they they cycle through so much. So it's like like a bunch of older guys like at the time, like I was big Shawn Michaels guy. Um, you know, that was I think that was post-heartbreak kid. Uh, that game was just going by Shawn Michaels at that point. Uh, Triple H and Triple H was coming up. Um, I there was a guy he he like broke his neck, so he made it never made it out of of the like the indie circuit stuff. He was like warm up for Raw. There's a Hispanic guy named S.A. Rios, who was in like like Hardy Boys type like stunt stuff, uh, Hardy, Hardy Brothers stunt stuff, like a bunch of stuff off the turnbuckle. Um, he actually he came up with um, at the time his love interest was it was Lita. Then Lita, you know, went on and, and Lita became a wrestler. But S.A. Rios, I loved watching. He was only on the warm up to Raw stuff. Uh, he was tremendous. But like the Dudley Boys, the oh. Dudley Boys were insane. Uh, but yeah, I'd say. S.A. Rios was the guy where I was like, holy crap, like this guy can actually, this guy's amazing. And then, and then like uh, Jericho, Chris Jericho and Jericho came up. So I can go back to 80s stuff as well. But that's really when I, when I started like really loving it. I think those were some of the guys in college that I was a big, big fan of. So, yeah, you kind of got into it. That sounded like attitude era ish. It was, it was when D Generation X got back together. Yeah. They, they were together and they broke up and they just got back together. And that's kind of, I picked up when D Generation X got back together. Yeah, I was huge. Degeneration X. Those, mm-hmm. those were those were my guys. Getting detentions for telling, <laughs> telling people to suck it at school. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. They were not uh, teaching us good lessons. Yeah, yeah, no, it, I. That's like uh, a trivia question that I got to find out one day: is how many kids got detention <laughs> from telling so, at least someone to suck. <laughs> Because there was definitely kids at my school that told teachers to suck it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was the era, too. There was like everyone had T-shirts. It was like big T-shirt stuff. So you see like the big, like the green spray paint X on the black shirt and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Badass Billy. Badass Billy Gunn and the boys. Um, <laughs> that was my guy from. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> um, so then I guess since the last time uh, we've had you on, uh, what what was the the best thing you had? 
happened to you this year then best experience from the year oh man um I honestly don't know. We've had, you know, there's so many like weird little touchstones. I've got, I've got two kids. Um, my daughter's getting ready to turn eight and my son is it turned five back in December. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go too, too dark, too deep down kind of a, <laughs> a dark path here with, with some of the kids history and stuff, but they've made some, uh, both of them are special needs. And my son especially has made such like huge strides uh, just in his development over the past year. Uh, that that is just there. There's been a, a couple of moments where just to kind of a bring a tear to your eye, like oh my gosh, like this is this is amazing. So uh, I'd say that as far as uh, like a little more personal than my, it did not end well. But we went to Colorado last year, big big family vacation, four years in the making, and then we got COVID. Uh, my my entire family like, two days in, so we had like quarantine away from everyone. I couldn't go hiking, and uh, so that, that really sucked. But like the the I was able to hike two trails and. <laughs> before it before my brother thought he was gonna have to airlift me off of a trail because uh, apparently i was turning gray uh, which was awesome but those two trails those couple days of kind of being out there um, which is we used to go on family vacations all the time um camping out and stuff and so kind of going back there seeing the mountains i'd not been to see the mountains in forever was was kind of awe-inspiring kind of forgot how amazing that was so it's that, that's a couple of mine uh maybe, maybe a little maybe a little more somber than you were expecting but years a long no time. no that's that's <laughs> awesome that is amazing uh your kids making strides like that 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 is that's beautiful um but yeah uh colorado is probably not the best place to catch covid if uh, in fact one of the worst <laughs> yeah. yeah no but i wonder because it's got to be people traveling because uh I got married in last April. So, and we got COVID in the Dominican Republic. So I, I assume like, it's like the airports that are. Well, we drove. It's a, like a 20 oh, some odd, some odd hour drive, but like, apparently we got to, <laughs> we got to Estes park and they're like, Oh, this whole area is red. Like it's, it's a lousy with COVID out here. Um, I did before I tested positive. This is probably bad before I tested positive. I didn't get to visit the, the um, Stanley hotel. Which is where Stephen King wrote *The Shining*, and it's supposed to, it's supposed to be amazingly haunted. And I've always wanted to go there, and so we got to drink at the bar there, um, which was awesome. That was a kind of a bucket list item of mine to visit the Stanleys. That was that was also something cool. And then the next day, it was like, oh, I, I should not have done have been indoors with people. I was not doing okay apparently. <laughs> that kind of sucked, but, but hey, mean, man, for those yeah, couple well, hours, I, I was free as a bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean. I, I had a very similar experience to that, like where I kind of felt guilty afterwards. Like I was like, oh shit, I was, I was enjoying it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> enjoying being at a packed pool way too much. Like, <laughs> I feel sorry. I, I want to apologize to each and every one of those people. <laughs> but yeah, if I, if our uh, guests didn't remember though, so you're a big horror movie guy. Mm -hmm. So that shiny thing, pretty sweet. I had no clue. I was thought he wrote everything in Maine because it was dreary and dark there or something sure. like that but what is the best horror movie that's came out 22 23 uh oh man semi-recently so i had i had pulled up somewhat of a list because there's it's been kind of weird i would say the i'd say one of the ones i enjoyed the most it's called barbarian it got fairly big um i can't remember who the director is i think it was the first first one he did the cast is in, the cast is tremendous. It's a pretty small cast, but it's got um in a small part. What's his name? Bill Bill Skarsgård. I forget all the Skarsgård. It's the guy who plays Pennywise in the movies, is in it yeah. as well as Justin Long. Um, it takes multiple twists, these weird little twists and turns. Uh, a couple moments that I just 
laughed out loud just ridiculous laugh like it's not a comedy it's like a horror with comedy moments the timing of some of it it's it's such a wild ride like when i think of like when i think of this past year i think of that one i think of something like orphan first kill uh which was it's a prequel to a movie that came out 10 years earlier that I was like, how is this going to be good? And it takes a turn about half an hour in that I did not see coming. And it just, it's wild, wild. So those two were really good. I just watched a movie called the horror in the high desert. Uh, that's kind of a, a mockumentary one that if you think about it for too long, none of it actually makes any sense. Uh, but it's, it's, it's quite good. Like it's, it's very creepy. It's got a really good vibe to it. Um, so those are the ones I think put on the spot. I think those are the ones that really jump out. I think of, of the past year, Barbar- Barbarian is the one I think that stuck out the most to me. Uh, and that that's one that I think a lot of non-horror people can get into as well. There are some, there are some moments yeah. that will make you queasy. Uh, but, uh, but it, overall like that, that was a very, very good movie. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I'm not a big Hollywood guy, but I just pulled it up because I wanted to see it. And I, and I do recognize, I mean, Justin Long in the air, um, Bill Scarge, the the guy you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so. yeah, Mr. Pennywise. Uh, when it's shot, I, I'm from the Detroit area, and it's shot. There's been a handful of movies that they're shooting like in these dilapidated areas of Detroit. So it's shot up outside of there, and like these, you're in this city, but it's like a burnout city. So it's a it's a weird. The vibe itself is weird um, and kind of unique in that sense in terms of a lot of horror movies. So yeah, I I, I really dug that one. Yeah, I might have to check it out. But yeah, I'm not a big horror guy or anything. I just knew. You were big into that. I am. It's going to let you break that down. Appreciate you. But how about let's get into it. Let me see what I got written here. So last season. So you and if other guys don't remember this either that were or guys or girls that were listening to the show. So you're you're a big X's and O's guy. Um, Yeah. And I was going to ask you, do you pay more attention to one side of the ball or the other? Like, because from what I remembered, it seemed more offensively based. If I'm yeah, honest. yeah, that's it. I mean, I and and kind of one of my things had been I, I tried to cover everything, and then I started once we had my daughter. I was like, well, I can't. I don't have time for this anymore. Part yeah. partially because well, and the landscape changed uh, because more, so more people were kind of covering this stuff, and so my. My thing was someone gave me advice was pick a lane and, and just do something and do it really well. So I, I focused on, I mainly focused on passing game. I branched out because some of that, some passing and running game is so tied into each other. So I picked up running game, but like base knowledge of running game. And I try to, I, I, I know enough defense to be dangerous because you kind of have to, to know what offense works. But, but if I'm looking at, so I'd say like, I, I have a decent understanding of a lot of it, but my main thing I really try to drill down on week to week during the season, even postseason uh, or after the season is done, is is a passing game more than anything. Yeah, and th- that is smart because I think that's one thing that we've still failed to this point in our podcast is we we don't have a lane. We're we're jumping lanes. It's it's, in, it's in tough, and you don't you don't need to have one. Like I needed it. I needed to have one for myself, I think. But, uh, but yeah, that was just my own personal decision because I'm just doing the same thing as everyone else. And then I got real down on myself. And then also I didn't know enough. And I just wanted to know a lot about one thing rather than a little bit about everything. Cause football's complicated. I just, I was no, spending I, way too much time trying to learn everything. <laughs> you're definitely doing something right. Cause we loved having you on. And I, I mean, like, that's like why we bring a guy on to that, like, is just an expert in that field. So with that being said, uh, 
just looking back at last season, did you notice anything like scheme wise? Like what what were the issues uh, with this Packers team over the last season? Because the year before, you know, you're going to the NFC Championship, or no, you didn't make the NFC. You didn't make. The yeah, NFC. no, it, it but tried. it was clearly special teams mm-hmm. like that screwed us. We bring in Rich Passaccia. That seems to just be totally fixed. Like if not, go from negative to plus plus in that mm-hmm. but i guess wh- where do you see everything going on this it uh i mean i think there's a handful of things i i mean the the it was always going to be bumpy at the beginning because devonte was gone and they were like not just devonte's gone but we're going to replace him with um the hollowed out shell of sammy watkins and these rookie receivers and, and we all know like rookie receivers take a while to get going um i think you know Watt, uh, watson was injured uh you know he didn't play in the preseason at all he didn't really practice so even when they were even when he came in it wasn't like they i had everything going on it was they, they had to use a little bit of him get him up to speed so even when watson was in there it was give him a touch on a jet sweep, throw him the ball once behind the line of scrimmage. Obviously he had that bomb against the Vikings, that first play. And then he drops that, and that, that sucked real bad, but they didn't really use him as a receiver. And partially it was just because he, I think his knowledge of the playbook, just because he was not around, he was, he was not doing reps. He was not practicing or anything like that. He, he took a, t- a tougher time kind of getting up to speed. Um, no pun intended. Then, then kind of everyone kind of hoped. And then you had Dobbs who started pretty well. And then he kind of, he got injured, but he had some issues and guys kind of caught up to his game a little bit as well. And then Sammy Watkins was like bad, bad, like real bad. Like <laughs> when I think of like early in the season and some of this goes to, I think the the players and again, some of those young guys and knowing you're going to take your lumps and, and then hoping you're going to get better down the line. And some of it, I mean, you know, Hackett did, bad things in Denver, like real bad things. In Denver. Mm. But his, I think his presence was sorely missed. You kind of bump everywhere. There's the, the Peter principle thing where like, just because like, you, you know, you get to a certain level and so they promote you to the next level, but maybe you're not qualified for the next level. I think that kind of happened with Stenovich. I don't think he was ready to be OC because offensive coordinator, you think of, you know, the, the floor calls the plays, he designs the plays. And I don't know exactly what all Stenovich was on the hook for, but game day, offensive coordinator, you're coordinating, you're getting those guys ready. You're getting the packages ready. You're sending the right guys out there. You're doing all the stuff with the package stuff. It get the finer details of, of the concepts themselves. Like that's, that's, oh, that's the OC. And there was guys like Watkins and even Cobb in some areas were running the wrong routes, like clearly running the wrong routes. You had guys running into each other. Like those those little fine details, he'd got like this. The, and the offensive line was also a flex. You know, the Elton Jenkins bumped out the right tackle and he was not fully recovered. He wasn't ready and he was terrible. And then Newman was next to him. And you run a stunt on that side of the line and it's all caved in. So now you have like this offensive line in flux with the right side just an absolute tire fire. You've got young receivers, one of whom didn't really practice. And you've got the finer points of the offense were just kind of, again, wrong routes and then wrong routes multiple times every week. And then at least once per week, guys running into each other off releases, sometimes 10 yards down the field, like just like they're breaking at the same plane and running into each other, like just miserable stuff. And so from an offensive standpoint, I think that it was, I think this was always not to this extent, but it was always the plan. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be bumpy. And then as the season goes on, these young guys stop being like, quote unquote, rookies, but you're kind of learning system. You're getting into a little bit more. Uh, then things will smooth out and we will be better. And they were, but by the time it got to that point, they kind of, they had biffed enough games early in the season that they was kind of hard for them to come back from. So I do think 
I think more or less it followed a plan that was kind of somewhat anticipated. It was rockier in the early going, and then you lose Dobbs for a little bit, and you lose Watson, you know, at a certain point, and then he comes back, and so you did, you didn't really have your full complement of even the young guys out there. So, I think by the time the season ended, it was better. A lot of those issues, and Watkins was gone. I don't think Watkins was the problem, but he certainly wasn't the solution. The, the you know those a lot of those like guys running the wrong routes guys running each other that was cleaned up the offensive line was better uh watson was out there healthy dobbs i think was even when he came back was probably 80 percent or something like that cobb was looking good so i think the offense you know that lions game at the end was a stinker but yeah. by the end of the season i think they looked they they looked about where you would expect them to look not as good as they were but still like a top 15 offense or something. And it just, it took them longer to get up to speed. And it was uglier at the beginning than it could have been. That was probably way too long of an answer, but that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what I kind of saw kind of looking, looking at the early season there. No, that was a beautiful answer because yeah, I mean, I always got to like rejog my, my brain too. And then right away when you're like, yeah, Devontae Adams was gone. I was like, well, yeah, no shit. That, we we should have, <laughs> we should have expected that, that that was going to happen. Then you bring in a receiver like Watkins and like, the best thing you're looking at when you're like Googling him is like, he's really good at blocking downfield. <laughs> it was like, ah, I guess we'll take that. But if that's when like, I was like, maybe, like maybe he'll stay healthy. They'll use him a little bit and he'll stay healthy. And he injured his hamstring like in week two. So even yeah. like he was out for a bit and he came back and like, he looked like he was stumbling every time he took a step. It was, it was real ugly, man. Yeah. He ended up playing nine games. So yeah. So yeah, we yeah, and they cut him through. before the season was done. He went, he was back in uh, Baltimore by the time the season was over as well. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was a rough one, but no, that was a great answer. That was thank you. Very very detailed, um, especially especially when it comes from like a scheme standpoint. But but you're right, like they did straighten out at the end. And honestly, if they beat Detroit, I was like, this team might be dangerous. I mean, I'm a hopeless optimist. Like I was like. <laughs> I mean, we we had to run the table one time and we've done it. So maybe this yeah. is shades of that. But that that team that ran the table the first time was they were good. They were they were I was gonna good. say this team, even by the end, and I'm in the Lions game for sure, but I mean even by the end, like they were looking better. But like even like week to week drive to drive consistency just was not there. So it's kind of like they could if they put it all together, if they could be who they actually could be, who you think they could be, they could give a team problems. The problem was like even like on a drive by drive basis, like you they they never straightened that out during the season. They they would just have long periods where they looked completely disjointed at times. And, and what what do you think like the issue was? Because it did seem like the team could move the ball like decently well to a point but then we could never finish the damn drive and i was just mind blown that like we couldn't scheme something up better i mean i guess if you look at the past three four years before that it was just like look for Devontae adams and um he's gonna free somebody else up if if he if they were trying different stuff i mean they really were i mean i I think some of the some of the red zone package stuff and that was another thing hackett was in charge of the red zone stuff so i i don't really know who took that over and i mean hackett's last year in green bay they were no great shakes i think they were 76 percent scoring touchdowns in the red zone like in in 2020 and then even in 2021 they were down to like 60 which is a reasonable level and they were like 55 or something this past year uh and some of that is just i mean studies have shown like you can have the same exact team you could even sim the same exact season red zone offense fluctuates wildly from you that's one of the that's one of the things that like even like a lot of the the, the 
in, uh, advanced metric stuff. Like people are like, we don't know why it's just, if a uh, red zone offense fluctuates wildly from year to year. So part of it's just part of it's luck. Uh, part of it is uh run game in that area was not, not very good. And part of it is, I mean, honestly, some of the detail stuff, Rogers has lost some mobility. Um, his thumb was a problem. I didn't even mention his thumb earlier. Uh, his thumb was a problem at some point. He started taking more stamps out of shotgun because he couldn't do under center. Uh, but so you had some of the accuracy was off. Then you had the attention to detail, especially early in the season, where like a lot of this, everything's compressed down there. You're trying to get a guy like off a false step and then you're trying to make him pay for that. But if your guys are also doing false steps, you lose that edge. Uh, and so, I mean, I think that was some of it. And then you've got guys out there, you're cycling through receivers uh, every couple of weeks. It seemed like even when, you know, when Dobbs was good and then Dobbs was, then Watson came up and Dobbs went down within like one snap of Watson coming back. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, it's a, it's a boring answer. Some of it's dumb luck. Uh, I think the scheme stuff is good, but some of it was just, I think their, their offensive line, even though the offensive line got better uh, when they kind of reconfigured that stuff, they were much better. I don't know what the numbers are in this. They're much better pass blocking than run blocking. Like they could not get traction run blocking even by the end of the year. Uh, so I think that was a big problem. Like if you can't run down the red zone, you lose some of that. So I think that was that was that was one of their issues as well. It's just an inability to be able to consistently push the line and 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 threaten with a run game. And then if you can't threaten it with a run game, and they know you can't threaten it with a run game, well, the, the pass the 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 play action game stops working as well. And that can be really effective in the red zone. So I think it's just kind of compounding issues combined with dumb luck. Yeah. And you're jogging my memory. So good. You, you <laughs> have a, a steel trap up there because yeah, because in the season, AJ Dillon just didn't start out running the ball. Like yeah. he, he did the pack previous seasons, which who knows, maybe it's because he felt bad for running over a mascot in the off season. And then it was like, ah, <laughs> I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, no, I remember, like, we brought that up on the show, and we're like, that was brutal. Like, oh, he that, killed that kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, is that guy going to sue him or something? But, but yeah, Dylan could not get it going early in the season. And then once we did start getting things going, it does. But what what do you think, though? I thought a good part to your answer was, like, the Rodgers mobility part. Because if you look at the successful teams right now, and obviously Rogers never been that guy that's just like take taking like a name right. or anything like that. But it does seem like every team that's very successful in the red zone is your Jalen Hurts, your Patrick Mahomes. Like that's that's your Super Bowl matchup right there. Mm-hmm. And it's just that third option in there. And I was kind of calling during the season, I was like, is there any way we could get like uh I'm a big Rogers guy, so this this isn't like you're, uh, I'm not saying I'm not a dumb fan, but I know you don't want to take the ball out of Rogers hands, but I was like, is there any way we could do a package like where we could just have some sort of like RPO more, I guess, w- without thinking we're risking Rogers, you know? Right. Well, and the, I mean, and that's one of my issues with the RPO game. And that's one of the reasons that sucker fizzles down the red zone and the red zone, everything's compressed in their RPO game. Um, I, this is something I say, and then I, I always have to immediately qualify it because people are like, well, you're, you're talking bad about Rogers or, or then people are like, Hey, you're saying Rogers did something bad. Every quarterback does this, whatever. There are things Rogers does not like to do. And some of us, he's been in the league for long enough. Uh, every uh, the saints, uh, this is the one I always bring up saints used to that. They would have the weekly install. They have the weekly game plan meetings. They'd go through it all. And then the night before a game, they'd sit in a hotel room with Drew Brees and Drew Brees would say, I'm not running that. I'm not running that. I'm not running that. Every quarterback, every established quarterback does this stuff. You've got the plays you like, you got the plays you're comfortable with. 
RPOs came along far enough in Rogers' tenure. He does not like vertical RPOs. He does not like there's there's two different types of RPOs. There's there's a pre-snap read and a post-snap read. But generally speaking, pre-snap read is basically you look at the numbers, those little bubbles, those little the, the wide receiver stuff on the outside. That's counting. He's saying how many guys we've got three guys over there. We've got the two blockers and we got our guy. Do they have two guys? If yes, I will throw this. If they have three guys over there, then we will run it. Very, very simple. That's like 95% of their RPO game. The vertical stuff, it's post-snap. And so you put the ball into the belly and you look at a, a conflict defender. So you're looking at, say, a linebacker, and then you're running a slant behind him. And you're saying, if he comes up to the run, I'm throwing us. If he sits back, because you're trying to, you're you're manipulating defense. You're getting a, you're getting a plus one in the pass game or the, the run game. It doesn't matter. Rodgers hates those vertical ones. I, I track it back to the one I always go to. It's week three of 2019, which was LaFleur's first year. They're playing the Broncos. They dial up a vertical RPO. They have the conflict defender, and Von Miller blows it up. He's in Rogers' face. Rogers dirts the ball. He didn't run one for like a year after that. And so, like in the red zone, some of that you see the Bills are really good with this. Um, the Browns are doing a lot of good stuff with this one. Brissett was in there where those vertical ones, those the glance route, this slant, this kind of like skinny post route from from the slot where you're reading that conflict defender. Rogers hates those. And so, if you're doing the RPOs in the red zone, which they do, but they're only the horizontal ones. They can rally and tackle those. Like those are really ineffective in the red zone just because you're a little more compressed. You need to get those guys to take a false step and hit something behind them. And that's something that they would call up. Uh, and Rogers, the last time I saw Rogers do one of those in the red zone was against Cleveland in on Christmas in 2021. And Lazard dropped it, uh, which which sucks because it was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, besides that, like they don't, they don't really they call them, but Rogers won't throw them. Um, because he doesn't like them. And so that they, you do see him dial him up. He just, he won't do it. And so they'll hand it off. And some of those times in the red zone, he'll hand that off because the numbers say you should hand it off and then they'll just get stuffed at the line. So there are ways you can do that. I mean, the mobility thing is, is a good point as well. It, I mean, those guys you mentioned, but the other thing with those guys, and I think something Rogers was missing is chemistry. He was so good in the red zone because he would break contain. You don't have to like run, run, run. You got to buy time in the red zone. And so he would kind of get outside for a while. You had Jordy Nelson, they had Devonte Adams. Patrick Mahomes says Travis Kelsey, you know where that guy is going to be. Rodgers would get outside and he's just kind of looking. And sometimes you, you see him and he's double clutching because which way is Dobbs going? Which way is Watkins going? He knows Cobb, but Cobb wasn't always out there. So it's kind of this, once you break, there is a mobility issue to it. And sometimes that's threatening to run. But a lot of times you keep an eyes up and just seeing who's out there. And with no chemistry with the receivers, that, that just, it was tougher this year than it has been in years past. I mean, part of that's Rogers mobility. Not that he's immobile. If you go back and watch like the 07 season with Favre, Favre is immobile. Like Rogers can still move, especially for a dude his age, but he's not as fast as he used to be. And and he doesn't have the chemistry. So that's, I, I like all of that, all of that kind of compounds into that as well. Yeah. The, I, wow. That I love that. Like, I love the, I was going to ask you too, like, what's the difference between vertical and lens? So it's like in play, out play, but it kind of blew my mind a little bit. So <laughs> sorry. I'm thinking of no, it, it was good. Like I understood it like once you explained the difference between vertical and uh what, what was the other term for oh it? I just call them I I, call, I I did it's pre-snap post-snap is usually how I look at it. And do you know like if every time because so my understanding of it is like you know you're reading the edge. So if if the edge is gonna crack down on your running back, you know, sure. your quarterback's gonna keep it. 
But do they read other guys in that? Like, would they need the nickel? Because, like, what you were kind of alluding to is, like, say, got a guy running, like, a, uh, yeah. So that'd be that'd be more like the zone read stuff. Uh, which, yeah, they've I think they've run twice with Rogers yet because he won't do that. Um, and I mean, really, a lot of a lot of quarterbacks they don't have a lot doing that much anymore. Uh, that was, you know, occasionally. Ecology. Yeah, ecology. You'd see him break that out occasionally. Usually, what happens is they'll have a quarterback do that, and then once they pay him, they don't have a quarterback. They used to do that with Russell Wilson all the time. Then they paid Russell Wilson. Like we're not going to have you do that anymore because the rule was if you carry out the fake, you can they can still light you up. So as a quarterback, you can not have the ball but pretend like you're doing it, and then the edge can just blow you up. And so they just they stop doing that. Um, but even on those, there is an option. Not always, but it's kind of like a triple option thing where you have the edge crashes. It's usually the um, the wide, uh, the the boundary uh, defensive back to to the pole side. And so you'd have like, you know, you read that end and if he crashes, the quarterback keeps, but then someone scrapes over the top, the quarterback can throw to the wide receiver on the end. So it's it's this, it's this kind of like passing triple option thing that you do. It's, it's all got to be done quick or else you get, you get a uh, flag thrown on you for an eligible man downfield. So it's got to be like blink of an eye. But I, I think I've seen the Packers run that one time. Um, and that's really more of a college thing too. Like even like the Eagles will run that a bit, but even the Eagles don't run that a ton. It's a cool, every time I see you, it, I get excited. It's very, they used to run that at Utah state, honestly, with, with, with Jordan love. So maybe we'll see that this year. Who knows? Yeah. No. And that was leads pretty perfectly into the next question. So what, what do you think the scheme is going to be around Jordan love? Cause as you alluded to, like back in his college days, if you look back at some of his junior year stuff, you know, he looks like a pretty cool cat, like easy. That That's what I look back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can preface this, like, I, like I said, I'm a big Rogers guy. Like if he wanted to stay, like, I would be like, you know, let him stay. Sure. But I am accepting the fact that it is, you know, it's damn near a done deal. Like if it's not a done deal, but how do you think this scheme is going to change having Jordan Love in? I honestly, I've been thinking about this. I don't think it changes that much. Um, I, there's this, I think there's this narrative that, that Rogers hates the floor's system and especially rebelled against it and did not play within it. And I don't think that's true. I think, I think there are things that Rogers likes and there's things that he'll audible to and he'll see at the line. He's always going to be a West coast guy. So some of that really quick game stuff, like the reliance on a slant flat and, and stick and like, those kind of like quick out routes and stuff like that. Like he's, he loves that stuff. And he also, then if he sees a one-on-one with a guy in the slot, he's going to say, run fast that way. And I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, it doesn't work as well. If you don't have Devonte Adams out there, yeah. uh, but there are those things that he would do. But I think, I mean, I think 85, 90% of the, of the offense of what we saw on Sundays was that's the floor's offense. Like that's still, so we'll see. I think it, it was interesting when love was out there. And I think part of this is just the nature of kind of how many, um, how many reps you get, you know, and maybe, maybe what love was comfortable with. If I come into a game, I like these three concepts because when he came in against the Eagles they they ran a concept called um, called spin. It's 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 designed to attack the middle of the field. It's like a little hook, hook from the slot, and then you run a dig over the top. So you're like trying to pin down one defender, and then you open up the middle for the. And anyone who watches Rogers knows he does not like targeting the middle of the field. He does not like doing that. When Love was out there, they dialed that sucker up like three times. And that's not really something he did in college. That that particular concept, but I think that's just a timing thing that he likes. So I think we'll see maybe a little more play action. Rogers did lean into that more, but he never really enjoyed that. Um, he doesn't. And part of that, the way defenses started playing was, was you take advantage of play action by keeping those safeties 
in place. You start with too high and you keep them in place until the quarterback turns his back to do play action and then they rotate. So he never really liked changing the picture. I think the, the Packers at their height with Rodgers were up to like 25% play action and some of the league was up to like 40%. So I think we'll see an uptick in play action, which a lot of times with play action, you're, you're trying to attack the middle of the field. So I think we'll see some more middle of the field stuff, but I think for the most part, like the, the offense will change somewhat because the offense has to change somewhat. There, there's always little things throughout the year that you have to do. You see the, you see them make adjustments throughout the year, just because of what de- how defenses are playing them. So you'll see natural adjustments, but I think the, bulk of what you think of the LaFleur offense. I think the the running game, uh, they tried to go more power this past year. We'll see if they go back to that because that didn't go particularly well. But a lot of the boot stuff and a lot of those kind of core concepts, I think is going to stay roughly the same. Um, I, you know, Love, I think will probably hew a little closer to that just because it's so different than what he ran in college uh, that, that I think he's going he's gonna to stick closer to it. I think we'll probably see some audibles, some you know, kind of high route adjustments at the line at some point. We're probably not early, just as it gets its feet wet. But I, I don't think I think there's this, this thought that it's going to look wildly different, and I don't really think it will. I think it's it's going to look roughly the same, probably with with fewer um, deep shots to the slot guy. Uh, is probably going to be like the biggest thing. Like he's not going to be throwing that all the time. You'll still see it, but I think I think that's probably going to be the big difference. But everything else will look roughly the same. Is my guess. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, my dumb brain is just like, okay, we're going to be running the crap out of the ball. It's going to be like all play action stuff. Um, but that leads me to another question that that my brain thought of a year in advance and then I started to see it a little bit more. So what did you think when they started putting like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field at the same time a little bit more? Because I loved that. Like, I, yeah. I always was curious why they didn't do it. And then my co-host that's usually here was like, well, if they do that, then Dylan's going to take more hits if they're getting the ball to Jones, like kind of like if he was playing fullback, but I'm just like, just have some misdirection of like who you're going to give the ball out. to these. I was, I was hyped, dude. Um, honestly, that's a project I've been working on this offseason to see how teams around the, the league do it. But I was hyped that they, they call it the pony package. And I was uh, I got that from Ben Fennel, I think, is is where I heard that term for the first time. Well, actually, and that was it was the old SMU offense. So it was Eric Dickerson, and I'm blanking who the other guy was. It was the Pony Express. So they call it the pony package. And I was – they talked about Craig that James. in the offseason. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, I was so excited about, about that. They were, it was real bad. They went, uh, I think the first couple games, I don't know, 20% of their snaps were in that 21 personnel pony package, and they were averaging like three yards per attempt. And as it went on, it became more of like a they'd run it a handful of times a game. And they got a little better. I think what they ended up doing with it that I really, really liked, and this is just, I think, because I, I love Deguara, I think more than anyone loves Deguara, they kind of took that same package, and then they they put Deguara in instead of Dylan. And it worked way better. One of the issues, I think there's a lack of creativity with some of it, but some of it's just skill sets. Like you, you need, you need a threat to do something with it. They weren't, they weren't running Jones on some of the wide receiver routes, which I would have liked to have seen. You've got those two guys out there, split them out wide, have them run a go route. Like we've seen him break guys off on a sluggo route, like have oh, him run yeah. a sluggo, have him run a slant. He can run wide receiver routes. So have, have him do that. And they didn't do that. I think they're trying to get their feet wet a little bit with it. But the other thing was when they have those two backs back there, you need the threat of a run because then they have to match personnel with you. If you just show we're going to pass every time or we're going to throw something to the flat, they'll just keep nickel package out there and, and you're good. Their running game is terrible with it. 
like real, real part of it again the line was not good but then also they've run these sweeps with it and you're having to have dylan be the lead blocker and dylan like whiffed on every single block he tried because he's a running back he's not a fullback he wasn't really working on that stuff and so i think it, it failed miserably early in the season and then they kind of went back to it a little bit as the season went on but they really just kind of morphed that into the, the entire running game changed after like week five or six or something, they overhauled the running game. And part of that was, all right, Dylan, Dylan gets the role or a Deguara gets the role of Dylan. It's technically 12 personnel because it's two tight ends, but he's going to be our second running back. It's our pony package. We're just subbing in Deguara. And that worked way better because Deguara's skill set is, is one that kind of suits itself to that. So just selfishly, I would like to see them go back to that this next year, hopefully with a little better plan uh, and get Jones on some more wide receiver stuff. And we know Dylan can do a little bit of that too. I would love that. But I think what they did, that was still one of my favorite things when, when they would bring DeGuar out there and those two tight end packages, have him in the backfield. They did some really fun stuff from the run game and pass game from that. It just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Dylan and Jones. So it did not feel the same, but it's basically the same stuff, but it, it was way more effective. Yeah, that I mean that is interesting because you think like average fan, you see AJ Dillon, you're like, this is a big dude, like he's gonna be able to block as yeah. well. But but yeah, and, and that's stuff that I miss uh from from my watching standpoint is like I just assume that how hard is it? Like you you can run a mascot over, no problem. How hard is that to do the same thing to a cornerback? Yeah, you're trying to hit a you're trying to hit a linebacker who's like trying to avoid you. It's a it's a it's a different <laughs> like, he whiffed on it was one in the red zone, man. He whiffed on one so bad he like I didn't think he put his head down. He just kind of put his arms out and the guy like dipped underneath him and Jones was three yards. Dylan was three yards down the field before he realized the guy slipped his block. And he turned <laughs> I think that was when they're like, all right, this isn't working. We gotta do something else. <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm a big Deguara fan too. I think I think the Wisconsin uh, fan base in general is going to start being like, okay, he played under Luke Fickle, so so if the Badgers start doing mm-hmm. good, we're going to be like this Deguara guy. You know, he, <laughs> he came from a good coach here, so so hopefully they have that. But yeah, I guess that can kind of lead me into like the guys we've gained, the guys we've lost. Uh, so we seen Tanyan. Uh, go to the Bears and maybe I'm just asking this a different way but like a personnel standpoint like how do you feel the Packers have done to this point in the offseason because it seems like you know we resigned Nixon so that seemed mm-hmm. great because I love that guy uh he'll he'll always be a legend to me he's uh yeah that was, that even was if huge. he yeah even if he fizzles out he'll have do you remember Patrick Dendy I was big on Patrick Dendy when he had like three picks to close out the season. That, sure. that was my boy for a while. So if, if Nixon, he'll always be a legend to me. But I'm, I'm hoping there's uh, longevity there. But then we get Rudy Ford back. But I lose my train of thought where I'm going. But how, how do you feel we've done? And how do you feel we're going to place replace a guy such as Robert Tanyan who didn't really live up yeah. to it? Like he had that one good year and then yeah, I mean he was a he was an undrafted free agent. So he was like he had that when he was what converted wide receiver to to tight end. So he kind of that was a guy when they drafted uh Sternberger. I did a project looking back on Sternberger's rookie year. And I was like, well, let's see like what skills are there. And as I was watching Sternberger, I was like, Oh man, Tunyon's look like he's getting ready to pop. Like he's you could tell he worked, you could tell oh, he I got better. So. And then the next year was when he had you know the 12 touchdowns or whatever. Um, which I, I think you know was was 
touchdowns are fluky. So I don't think that was indicative yeah. of the, of, of who he was, but he was still a fine player. Like he was not the best blocker, uh, but he worked hard. Um, he was not he's gotten guys ways. He's certainly something he improved on. Like, uh, and then as a receiver, he was pretty good, but like once, once he tore his ACL, like he was never the same coming back and maybe this year he will be, I hate that he went to Chicago. Um, I hope he rebounds cause he seems like a good dude. Um, but I, he just basically all he was, he was a guy who tried hard and then he got by on some of his receiving talent and the way this, the, everything's kind of scheme to open. And once he lost that athleticism, he wasn't able to gain that back. Like it kind of screwed him. But the, I mean, that being said, the tight end room sucks, dude. I mean, both, both those areas use like tight end and safety. That's one of those. Maybe they got to wait for the Rogers domino to fall to see exactly where the cap and stuff is, where their money is. But I mean, cause Lewis has not been uh, resigned yet either. And so right now that tight end room is, is if I'm not mistaken, I think there's one other guy. I think there's some like undrafted free agent guy on there, but it's, it's Tyler Davis and it's Josiah Deguara and Deguara is not even a true tight end. Um, as far as the, he does some of the inline stuff, he's more of kind of that, that hybrid H back type of guy. And we also know that tight ends, they usually, if you, th- this is a pretty good draft for a tight end, but those guys usually don't start hitting until year two or year three. So they're going to go into this year they haven't made any signings. I would have liked to have seen. I'm not the biggest Gasicki fan, but I would have liked to see them take a swing at a guy like Gasicki. He did not sign for a whole lot, or Dalton Schultz, or something. I was a big Dalton Schultz guy. Someone to kind of plug that gap for the next year or two, so while the guys you draft have a chance to like come along and learn a little bit. But as it is now, like they may have to fill out that tight end room in the draft. And and for as not good as Tunning was this past year, at least he was a body and he knew what he was doing. Like right, and and I kind of think Lewis probably isn't coming back unless Rogers, you know. Yeah. for some reason comes back like i think he's gone which means you've got those two guys and you're looking at udfas <laughs> resign dominate daphne whatever dominic daphne's no doubt or something like that but you're gonna have to draft someone and then you're starting a rookie tight end and you're relying on them to do something and they're probably not because they're a rookie tight end and the same thing with safety safeties take forever to get up right now it's darnell savage and like special teamers like Rich Passacci is the happiest man in the world th- this offseason. He, he's got all of his guys. They've got six guys in the safety room, and only one of them can halfway play safety. So, I mean, I, I it's one of those I, I don't want to make any declarations until, you know, post-draft, post-Roger stuff. We'll see what happens. But as it – because we've got a lot of time before the season starts. But as it stands right now, I look at that tight end room. I look at that safety room and, like, Guys, you got you got to do something. There's talk of like Rasul back at safety. I don't know if that would work. And the floor kind of shut that down, at least in the short term. I did like what Rudy Ford did in limited time last year, uh, but I, I don't know if he's going to keep that up. And he's maybe they bring back Amos, who did not look great last year, but at least like knows what he's doing. Like it's those two positions. I think they're that roster is pretty good. I think for the most part, like strong in a lot of areas. But tight end and safety are like remarkable weaknesses. Like they, they they barely have dudes to like go on the field in those places, let alone any depth. So that's it's concerning to say the least. And this is the part where I'm going to be missing Mike helping me out the most because Mike's a big draft guy. So how do you think we are going to address those issues in the draft? Like, do you think we're going to go offense right away um, with all the sexy wide receivers that we have out there? I can't remember the name, but I really want the tight end from Georgia. I don't know how. Darnell Washington. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. But that that was I see one like one clip, um, and I'm like, okay, that's that's who I want. I was big on Eddie Lacy too. That was my my favorite like guy I wanted drafted that we actually drafted. So I'm I'm shooting for Georgia's tight end right now. But 
what, my, where my, do you, what you my think? big one was Randall Cobb and they got Randall okay. Cobb, you know, took him to the end of the second oh, round. Kentucky. They got yeah, Randall Cobb. That's right. Well, I know guys who know Cobb as well, and they have nothing but good things to say about him. So I love, love that he's with Green Bay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, so I did, I did not post it um, because I, I did not want, you know, any blowback on it. So at some point, maybe I will. I usually do one mock draft a year and I did that earlier today. And it was, I went all offense just because that's, that's where my mind's at. I mean, they can use some help on defense again, safety and stuff like that, but there are guys in here. And my thought process is this year, I do not care about the defense at all. I don't care if the defense is 32nd. We want to know is Jordan loves a dude. And if we want to know Jordan loves a dude, you surround him with guys. The offensive line is going to need some help probably as soon as next year, but for now, they're solid enough. So that was not a priority. I basically took every tight end, every wide receiver I get my hands on. I was trading back a couple of times. So I love, and again, they're not going to contribute from day one, but someone like Michael Mayer out of, out of uh, Notre Dame, that tight end, he's not, again, not, not like the sexiest guy in terms of, in terms of what he gives you, but he seems like a guy who will not fail. I'd say his, his floor, his ceiling is low, but his floor is very, very high. He's going to be solid. He works hard. You know what you're getting from him. Someone like Darnell Washington. If he hits on everything, my God, like just an absolute freak show. He's what, 6'7", 264, if I'm not mistaken, and what, a 10 Raz, I think? Like just an absolute freak. And so I like Darnell Washington would be great, but you figure he's going to be a little bit longer. The the, the receivers are are, have been tough, man, because it's – Especially like I think it's a lot of the like the rise on seven on seven ball. There's so many dudes who are just so small. Like there's so many, like I love Zay Flowers. I love Jordan Addison. I love um Tank Dell. Tank Dell is like 5'10, 160. He's going to get That's murdered, great. but he's so much fun. So like someone like Quentin Johnston out of TCU, like I was a big fan of, or Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, like in like a mid-round type of guy, someone that can help you, I think, immediately. But I think with the Packers thresholds, it's tough to get. I try to get excited. Like Zay Flowers out of Boston College. If you've not watched any of him, pull up highlights of Zay Flowers. He is an absolute blast. But he's, I don't know, 5'11, 175, something like he's 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 just a, a wee little man. And guys like that, some guys like that will hit. It's just they're kind of outliers, but they're more and more common these days. So my my goal was when I was doing mine was just not that anyone cares about my mock draft, but my goal was. I just want as much offense. <laughs> Thank you. I want as much offense as I want now. And some of those guys maybe not, maybe won't contribute, but at least gives you a base to know who love is. And then this offense grows together. If you get like Michael Mayer and, and uh, what's the Iowa kid, Deporta, the, the, another tight end, and Darnell Washington, you get three tight ends and you get two wide receivers. And maybe they're okay this year, but in two, but you have a good idea of who love is based on what you have now. And then two years, all those guys have grown together. And now you have a very strong tight end room. You have a good wide receiver core, and then you're kind of ready as, as love's kind of ready. The rest of the team's kind of ready. So that was my, my goal with all of this stuff. My thought is they're not competing for, I don't care what happens. Like love could be a supernova. I don't see them competing for super bowl next two years minimum. So see what you have in love build up for the next team. And it's not the strongest draft, but you can start doing that now. Uh, so that that's kind of my thought is enough for this season, but really you're just making investments for like two years down the road with a lot of these guys at this point. No, I love that too, is get those offensive guys and see what we have in love because I do have my reservations about love because I know people love to say like, oh, the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers thing wasn't <laughs> the same situation. Yeah, but, You know, 
it's pretty damn parallel at this point. <laughs> like even the same team is going to get him. But I felt like this year, the way that Rogers kind of was to the organization, which whatever, you know, he's him. He's an interesting dude. But it did seem like, hey, if, if we can get him to agree that he's coming back from two years, we'll move away from love. Yeah. When, when it was Favre doing the same shit, I felt at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. They're like, no, we we got him. Like we we got our next guy. Well, I think I there was feel the same way about. So. There was something with I think some of the timeline of it. And this is something I think Jacob Westendorf talks. I think it's Westendorf talks about this quite a bit. That's just this. Uh, they were red. Like they had guys. They were going to pick up Favre from the airport. Like I think they were going to continue with Favre. Favre said, I'm retiring. I'm done. They made an agreement to Rogers and then Favre came back so late. They were like, this is our guy. Like, we're not, we're not moving off of him. We've made, we like him and we've made a commitment to him. We can't keep doing this every year. So, I mean, th- there was a point be- like after 07, before the whole like trade and all the stuff that went on with that, that they were ready to bring him back. Uh, but he just, he, I, I don't Maybe that parallels Rogers too. I can't remember if he was like returning calls or something, but they had guys ready to pick him up from the airport and it didn't happen. And they made the commitment to Rogers. So there is, I think they were, I think they, there was an, there is a world where if he decides soon enough, I think they keep far for another year or two, potentially. Um, I mean, the, the, the parallels are insane though. Um, I, I mean, I will say, I think Rogers and, you know, having been, you know, I was, I'm an old man now. I was a younger man then, but I still was, was, you know, grown. I was a married man during all the far stuff and everything. So I was, I was far enough along in life, I guess. Um, with, with all of like Favre and they talked about this after the fact, like Favre was just to say distant to Rogers, I guess is like being kind about it. Like Rogers, even through all of this and the unnecessary drama that a lot of it's of his own creation, he's had nothing but good things to say about Jordan love. And like, I think he legitimately likes Jordan love. I think he legitimately wants what's best for him. I think he put a chip on his shoulder that they did as that drafted replacement. Cause he won't stop talking about that, but he does seem like he has helped Jordan love in a way that Favre never helped him. So, I mean, there, there is a lot of parallels, but I do say like Rogers, as far as his relationship with love and what he's taught him and what he's trying to bring him up through, I think it's, way better than anyone that then Favre ever did with Rogers. And I think that's, I think that's commendable. I think on Rogers point. For sure. And, and that's the part where I think people that are like wise to it and, and smart enough, like watching is like, I love Brett Favre because you know, that was, that was a guy like he goes and defrauds the state of Mississippi and stuff. And I'm still like, eh, that's kind of my family member. Like, I hope, I hope something comes out positive of this, but it, like Favre's just not as good of a maybe I can't even say that, but like Rogers, it, you summed it up perfectly. It's like he's been Rogers is more self aware. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's fully sure. self aware because I think there's stuff Rogers would say, and you're like, are you hearing yourself right now? Like, mm-hmm. you stuff, but I think he was self aware in a way that Favre was not. I think Favre thought he was going to live forever. Favre thought that like this was going to go on forever, and like he was he was God's gift to the Green Bay Packers, and there was no Packers without him. Where Rogers, like wants to stick around and Rogers wants to be that dude, but he also knows like, listen, not everything lasts forever. This happened to me. Uh, it's kind of coming back along again. I would like to stay here. I do think he legitimately wants to retire in green Bay. I think that's, I think that's something he would like to do, but I think he's self-aware enough to know, like not everyone gets the fairy tale ending. So, 
you know, I'll just, I'll help the guy that's here because I think he's, a, I think he's a better person than before. Again, yeah. a, a man who's, who's defrauding welfare people in the state, like to say Rogers <laughs> is better than him as a person is like a pretty low bar to clear at this point, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, you can, you can pretty clearly say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that's where people get different, like, yeah get offended by it. It's like, no, Rogers isn't, isn't far. And which I understand, but now, now I strayed so far from the point, uh, defending <laughs> my beloved far. I need to stop defending. Um, but yeah, so we answered what, where we think we should go in the draft. And I love that is big offense. See what we got in love. Um, Kind of threw a question in there that threw me off my flow here for a second, but I had something else. So I guess where, who do you think we take number one? And I'm going to try to remember where I was going. Oh man. Um, Yeah. I mean, the joke is that they're going to take a defender out of Georgia because that's what they do. And like, maybe they will. I just, I don't know that there's going to be anyone there. Like, like Nolan Smith is a name, but Nolan Smith is like a, He's not this small, but 175 pound edge rusher. Like, I don't think that they're going to draft Nolan Smith. I would love, and we'll see what I think. Cause they, I can, this is what happens. I talk myself into what they're going to do. And logically I think through like, well, offensively is what you want to do. And they never do it. So I don't know what they're going to do. If it was me. I mean, it, if you listen to any draft people, it's very, very funny. I, I don't watch a lot of stuff myself. I try when I can, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, listen to smarter people than me talk about things so that I can learn things. Um, a lot of them are like, they should different teams. They should trade back here. They should trade back here. It's not the greatest draft. Someone's got to trade off. So, I mean, in the ideal world, the Packers trade back, pick up some picks, and then at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, they I was I if it's me, I'm double dipping Michael Mayer, uh Darnell Washington. I'm getting that tight end room. And again, hopefully solidifying that and growing that like you're with an eye on like two years down the line for when you're ready to compete again. And then you grab uh, Tajay Spears as a guy really like a running back out of Tulane in like the third or the fourth. Uh, but yeah, I, I first pick, I don't want him at 15, but I also don't care about draft position at this point. Uh, I think someone like Michael Mayer, who again, you know, like is going to be a solid player. It's a high floor. He's going to not be amazing from day one, but like give you something that you don't have in your tight end room currently. And any figure will grow into at least a solid player for like the next, you know, seven to 10 years or something. I would have no problem with that. So it, it, that would not be the flashiest pick. And I don't like drafting for need, but I, I think if they if they ran the card up and it was Michael Mayer, I'd probably be a little disappointed because I really want Zay Flowers. But that also, I think that would make a lot of sense to me. So, and that's that's the guy from Notre Dame. Uh, tighter Dame, yeah, tight end on Notre Dame, yeah. Okay, yep. Now, if they went yeah, down yeah. all Washington, I'd lose my mind. There's a higher bust right there. But if they went Washington <laughs> at 15, I'd be like, oh, here we go, here we go. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you get a tight end from Notre Dame, you just like, yeah, that, that might be good. Like it's like a tight end from Wisconsin or Iowa he, or something. He will be you know, fine. Like, he will yeah. be he will be very boring, but he will be fine, is roughly how that will go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next Owen Daniels coming right up. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Jason Witten 2.0. And so on the team right now. Um, and I think I kind of want to go like more weapon wise. So I mean, we know what we have in Aaron Jones, we know what we have in AJ Dillon, but out of our 
receivers and tight end that we have right now? Like who, who do you think is going to step up and break out? Um, and I, I think I would take Christian Watson out of this a little bit, like, unless you think like, you know, he's going to land in the fields of Justin Jefferson's and uh, I'm, I'm way you know, too excited about Christian Watson, man. I think Christian Watson could go supernova this year. I think some of it depends on who they who they bring in and kind of how they address that room because as it stands now when you've got a like Dobbs is technically fast but it doesn't really show that much on the field at least as far as far as how he's been playing he seems more like kind of possessiony guy so he's not really gonna threaten you too much they do have Bo Melton uh that they got they picked him up last year that I really like he's just fast fast so if they get another like speedster guy because what uh, you you need to like stretch the field horizontally, uh, horizontally and vertically is is what you're trying to do. And if Watson's the only speed guy, he can't do both. But he's so good with the ball in his hands behind the line that if you've got him running those jet sweeps, you can't really do anything down the field. So if they get another, and maybe maybe that's Melton, uh, but get another burner, and I think you unlock what Christian Watson could do. But yeah, I'll go. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll go Deguara. Um, I think Dobbs has a really good chance, but I think Deguara, just based on some of the tight end stuff, it takes him a little longer to develop, and he's learning another position anyway because tight ends, you're learning offensive line stuff, you're learning how to run routes like a receiver, and then you got the H back stuff, he's learning how to lead block, and then beyond that, he had the COVID year, and then he lost a year because he got injured that year as well. So he like missed a lot of training camp, missed preseason tours ACL. And so he's a little bit behind development, but he's at the point in a tight ends career where they usually pop for whatever reason. I seem like Rogers hated him. Yeah. I like, just did. never they threw did. him the yeah. ball. And I don't know why that was. I think he's got two touchdowns in his career. He's like, maybe like a total of 10 catches over the course of his career. But I think love seems to like him. I think they have a good rapport and he's at the point where you, where they normally take off. I think DeGuara, and again, I love DeGuara. So maybe yeah. this is just rose colored glasses here, man, but I think DeGuara could be in for a big year. Is it the Kentucky proximity of Cincinnati? Like? <laughs> I think so. I, I think so. I do. I've got friends at UC. My wife went to UC for a little bit. So I do think, I do think there's something to that probably. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I love, I love that idea in the draft because yeah, Christian Watson. I guess I kind of hamstrung you on that one. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> taking geez. him, taking him out of out of that question. But having Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, it seems like. But what do you think of uh, Samori Toure? Um, I like him. We didn't see a whole lot. I mean, if Rogers, if Rogers didn't hurt his thumb, Toure has at least two more touchdowns on the year. And I think we look because he was what seventh round pick or something like they didn't ask him to do much. And what he did, he did it well. I mean, he's, he's a fast man. They, they pointed him a certain direction. They said, run that way fast. And he said, yes, sir. And he did a very good job with it. So I don't know how much he can develop. He was a guy going in the draft last year that I know a lot of people pointed me to. They're like, because he, he's out of Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken, like they don't throw in this offense. Like this is a guy that if he develops could be a monster. So I, I do really like Toure. I'm, I'm curious to see how they use him this year because he had limited snaps this past year. He didn't do much, but I think there is something there. I just don't know if based on what we saw last year, I don't know if this year, like that may be like a year three guy, you know, ready to pop. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, he is kind of. So I, I just have to click on him just to. To fact check you, but you nailed it. Nebraska seventh round pick, but he is 25. So I mean, he was kind of a older senior. Yeah. 
um, maybe maybe some of that COVID year comes comes into play. But I think I think you basically covered everything that I wanted you to come on here for. And I did it. And yeah, no, I <laughs> I love the answers. I hope the Packers go the way that you're saying in the draft. And I think it's a good idea. And maybe I'm starting to make it more of my idea than yours, so you can clear this up. But yeah, let's let's bring in some weapons. Let's see what we got in love, right? Mm-hmm. Early. Um, because what does he have on his contract? Like we're we're gonna have to well, this, like, they've got to decide before the year if they're gonna pick up his fifth fifth year option since he was a first round pick. So he's going into year four and they gotta decide. I don't remember the date, I think it's by mid-May. Uh, if they want to pick up his fifth year option, which I assume they will, which means you've yeah. got 2023, 2024, uh, likely get an extension done, you know, before 2024. So, I mean, they've, they've run out most of that rookie contract, which is the same thing they do with Rogers. You've got a very, yeah. very small area now to kind of like evaluate whether he's the dude or not. So let him up, man. See if he is. I kind of like that too. He's like, puts a fire under his ass. Like, Hey, you got two years to show us what you got. And, if you're good, you're going to get paid, and and then we're going to move on. Yeah. Here are but, five guys who drafted in the first two rounds for you. Have at it. Yeah, yep. And yeah, what a slap in the face if they go with one one of the Ohio State receivers right off the bat after Rodgers leaves first first receiver we draft in the would, first round would since be 2002. objectively hilarious. It would be very very funny if they did. <laughs> it, I do feel like the Packers sometimes slap Rodgers across the face a little bit too hard. Like, uh, I think he, I think the the draft stuff to me. I mean, that was always they they fo- they follow their thresholds. They follow their board. It's it's that Ron Wolf thing. It's the same stuff they've been doing for like 30, 30 40 years, whatever. At this point, like they've been doing the same thing. And so, I mean, there, there are times you certainly wish like they could have given him more weapons. They, they yeah. could have, they could, instead of drafting, you know, I just as a rule, I don't like drafting inside linebackers in the first round, unless they're like, I think they're going to be like a generational talent. So last year they Devonte Wyatt and then Quay Walker, I certainly would have done Quay Walker. Like I would have taken a receiver or something like you've got to bolster that room just because you've got to, even like, if not for Rogers, I love what the Steelers do uh, where, where they take like two or three wide receivers every single year. And so like, they've always got high end speed guys. Like one of those guys shakes out and he's something like they, I don't like overall. I don't mind what they've done with the draft. I think they needed to take more shots at wide receivers over the years. I don't care if that's in the first round, like in the first three rounds, grab one a year and, and just see what happens. Cause there's athletes all over the place. So I, I do think like on that front, they could have provided more there. Yeah, no, and I, I think anybody that just looks at the situation like, you, you know, we could have we could have got him something. Who's the last receiver we drafted in the first round? Was it Javon Walker in two thousand two? I don't even know if he was a first round. No, Walker was pick. first. Yeah, no, I think okay. he may have, he may I think he was the last one if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, because because yeah, then we're tapping into uh western michigan yeah yeah we're well you i mean they, they hit i mean that's the thing they hit some dudes that got you know jennings was what was yeah. greg jennings a second rounder and and obviously you know jordy nelson and Devonte adams like their hit rate on second round receivers is ridiculously high they just also didn't take a lot of second round receivers <laughs> yeah and have i been hearing rumors or did we something about Corey davis well 
Do you think? Oh, there's hey, been that's been the chatter that he made that they may want him back in a trade. Like I think it makes a lot of sense to have him in Green Bay. I've always liked him. Good blocker, which which Lafleur loves. Uh, I I don't know if the because tr- his salary. I don't think they could take on a salary. I think that's the issue. So like, like a cut and sign makes more sense. But he's still there. He's still up in New York. Like they haven't dropped him or anything yet. But based on that wide receiver room, like they're not going to be playing him. So I, I, I would, he's, he's injured a lot, but I do like Corey Davis. And I think his best season, if I'm not mistaken, was the one year LaFleur was OC in Tennessee. So I think I, I would love, I would love to see him. My expectations would be tempered, but I, I would love seeing Corey Davis come back. Yeah. Let's follow with that. What, what do you think we can get? Uh, from the Aaron Rodgers trade, like what what have you heard from what you've been listening to, like that the deal's gonna look like? Because oh, it's all over the place, man. I mean, the thought that yeah, there was a no- Charles Robinson report, and the one that that apparently the Jets are are not doing, but has been on the table, and they were getting ready to do it until Aaron Rodgers said he was ninety percent retired before going into the darkness. Which no, he was not. No, he was he was not. You can. I, I, if you listen to him talk on McAfee and we did every week, we did the, the, I, we yep. listened to that we did the Tuesday or the Wednesday edition of, of Packaday podcast. We were listening to him every Tuesday and we talked about it. So I've listened to all of those, especially towards the end. He's contradicting himself in his own interview at times. There's a 0% chance. He was 90% retired before going to the darkness. But the report is that he, the, uh, I think Woody Johnson got spooked, but the deal on the table was second round this year, first round next year, and then a conditional second, I think, in 2025, that would uh, – or no, no, no. The, the Packers would have to give the Jets a second round if Rodgers did not play in the 2024, which is a very – like, so it's a second of this year. Basically, a second this year, a first next year is more or less what it comes out to. For Rodgers, and he did not play up to his standards this past year. He's getting older, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. That's a very good deal for a quarter. If you think as the Jets that you are a quarterback away and you're telling your fans at every opportunity, Aaron Rodgers is coming, a a future first and a second round this year, that seems very reasonable to me. If that's what they're balking at because of the 90% retired thing, which again, 0% chance that's true. Then I don't know. I don't know what like I've heard like two second rounds this year, uh, which fine. I guess that'd be fine. Uh, yeah, I'd I, take it. honestly, at this point, at this point, I made some mention of this. I if it happens after the draft and it's future and it's draft picks going into next year, this is not the strongest draft. And the Packers, I think, are fairly well positioned to address some needs and bolster the offense a little bit. If it doesn't happen until after the draft, and they pick up <clears throat> a couple seconds or a first and a second the next year because the Jets start getting desperate then that's some more ammo in the fifth year option of Jordan love. And then you, you take that and say, thank you very much because Marvin Harrison jr. Is coming up next year. And now we have the ammo to get Marvin Harrison jr. If you want to do that. So I would be all on board with like, it doesn't even be done before the draft. We'll take future draft picks like that. We'll just bolster going forward. We don't care. But I, I would say if it gets done before the draft and it's the, the back-to-back second round picks from the jets this year was at 43 and 44, 44 and 45, something like that. If they get those, or uh, you know, a first and a second, that seems more than reasonable. Uh, oh, yeah. And with the Jets' position, where they are, who they have in that quarterback room, how ready that roster is, I granted, I'm not a GM. If I was a GM of Jets, I would have pulled the trigger on that deal yesterday if I could. Yeah. Like that seems insane to me that they're not doing this. I don't know. I don't know what they think fair compensation is, uh, but I, I maybe I don't know what fair compensation is. I guess. 
Yeah. And I, I don't think it's even at the point where it's fair. Like, I think it's, it's GM swinging their dicks on each other. Like at this point, like, cause they're like, Oh, Rogers already played his hand. Like he was like, he's coming to play for us. And then the Packers are going to be like, well, we, we got to take this. But the, the, like you said, mm-hmm. Jets are, Jets are going to be nasty if, if they get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's way better than the the Favre, the team yeah. that Favre inherited at that point. So well, on Favre, that's another thing people forget because they missed the playoffs. Favre had a, a shoulder injury that year. If Favre doesn't injure his shoulder, he threw six touchdowns in a game yep, uh, yep. early in the season. If he didn't injure his shoulder, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like a, it was a capsule thing in his shoulder, and his his arm was dead by the end of the year. If he doesn't injure his shoulder. He takes that Jets team to the playoffs, set him in the playoffs in forever. Like, I think that that gets lost a little bit to time as well. But yeah, there, I, if I'm a Jets fan and you've been hearing from the GM, you're hearing from the owner, like they said two days ago, Aaron Rodgers is going to be here. And then you don't get him because you don't want to give up one first round pick and one second round pick. Everyone should be fired. Every single person should be fired. <laughs> there's no, there's no reason, but that's, that's, that's preposterous. That's absolutely ridiculous. So I, if I was a Jets fan, I would be very upset if this did not end up happening for some reason. Yeah. The situation is getting out of hand or not. I wouldn't say quite out of hand, but it's getting a little bit annoying. Like where the Packers it's, are like, it's, Oh I'm, no, San Francisco's interested now. And like, I mean, not give him the, the conspiracy so theory that Bill Belichick's going to swoop in. If, <laughs> If the Patriots somehow land him from the Jets, oh my, that would be like highest of high comedy. That would be, so I'm all in on the conspiracy theory stuff. Um, I, I'm just, I'm in it for the laughs at this point. Honestly, like yeah. it's done. It's he's, not, he's not coming back to Green Bay. They've made that very, very clear. He's gone probably to the Jets, most likely the Jets. Even if not, uh, it's out of my hands. I'm just, I'm just kind of laughing at this point. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And that that's kind of how we play it. And I think we've got to the point on this podcast where we're like, as long as we just get his like contract off the books, like now it's like almost, yeah. almost a deal at, at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that is all I have for you. Do you got anything to close with? Um, no, we talked quite a bit. No, I don't think I do. Yeah. No, thanks for letting me come on and ramble. Talk entirely too much. Uh, you know, sorry, sorry. I missed, uh, sorry, Mr. Co-host here. Uh, but, uh, you know, thanks for having me on again, dude. This was, uh, you know, it, it always strikes me. I know we're running up to the draft, but in, in the offseason, I know there's the Rogers stuff and all of that, but it's the offseason. There's no football. I'm always shocked at how many people just want to just want to talk ball. And it's just it's so much fun uh, to talk football. So, listen, dude, I appreciate you having me on. This was this was an absolute blast. Thanks for thanks for letting me just go on entirely too long. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Like just, just hearing some of the axes and all stuff. Sometimes I feel like uh, I should have asked that extra question, but the, just the read option stuff. I was like, okay, that's, that makes perfect I, sense. I try. It's something I try to get better about. One of my, one of my pet peeves. I know I said, I, thanks for letting me ramble. And then I'm going to ramble more. One of my, one of my things is like when I, when I was trying to learn about football, I would get, I would try to learn and I get too lost because it's too much terminology. And I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. And now I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. And so I would kind of tune out. And so I've always, I, I, what I try to do, and sometimes I do this and sometimes I fail. What I try to do is, is talk in a way that makes sense, that makes sense to me. Uh, if I, I figure if I can make sense of it, other people can also make sense of it. Uh, so I try to get to a point where like, you can kind of hopefully draw a picture in your head. And if not, then, then I have failed, but yeah, I'm, I'm always down. Listen, if you think of anything 
just message me, man. Like I'm always down for follow-up questions. Again, always up for talking ball. Um, if, if I explain it in a way that doesn't actually make any sense, maybe it's because it doesn't make any sense. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but maybe I just didn't do a very good job, but I'm, I'm always, always down to try to clarify a little bit if at all possible, uh, because it's, I don't know, it's the off season and what else is there, but to talk about more football. Right? <laughs> no, that's, that's very Michelangelo ish. That's, <laughs> That's that's what I was thinking there. So, no, great stuff. Thank you so much, Jesse. Yeah, thank you, man. And that was our interview with Dusty Evely that Mike missed. Mike, you missed a good one. It was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, you said our interview, and really it was just your interview with Dusty. No, I... I shouted you out. On, yeah, I shouted you out on a couple of the questions. So I feel like he uh, enjoyed the Ninja Turtle ones, and you're our Ninja Turtle expert. But he compared it. People who are listening to this right now, they'll be like, "Okay, we 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 get it." But he compared it to you know on Bullet Train how the guy compares everybody to like a Thomas the Train engine. Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> like how. Uh, we did it but he was a he was another michelangelo he was part of the three michelangelos so oh there you go that's the good one i mean it's kind of obvious but yeah no that definitely the best ninja turtle but you do kind of need all of the ninja turtles i was thinking about it more today because after i was walking around and he kind of gave me the idea of just judging people bare purely off of like, oh, that guy's a Leonardo, that guy's a Donatello, that guy's a Raphael. And it came to me and I was like, yeah, you kind of do need every single one of those. That's why the Ninja Turtles are so, so amazing. Dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, great interview. Uh, You'll hear it when you listen back to it, Mike, but he's got a steel trap. It's crazy. Like it, it was a little weird to me not interviewing with I actually was kind of nervous and we had interviewed him before, but it is kind of weird when you take like the one-on-one dynamic and sometimes his answers would just like, like, how do you remember all that shit? And then like, I would get lost in like listening to the question. And then he would make me think of like 13 different other things, like the way he was answering it. And then I would like lose my, place of like where i was asking questions so i mean he's he's a pro like he's good at it so thanks again dusty that was that was fun and i'm sure we'll get him back on soon maybe after the draft we can get back on so you can chop it up with him but yeah uh so super generous of him to come on like i felt pretty terrible that i had to miss it but like i suppose it's probably one of my unders for the week so we're getting ready. We're putting the getting ready to put the kids to bed. Like it's probably seven. It's probably not even eight yet. Right. So the kids have had like a long week. They were not being the most like adult acting kids last night. Right. So they weren't like they were crying over everything. Just they were having a rough, a rough night. And so um, I'm so we've been making these cakes and cookies and a bunch of shit. We got a lot of birthdays this month in my wife's family and and ours, right? So my son's birthday was 
where I'm making this cake, right? So I'm trying to decorate this cake and I just hear this thing crash, right? My wife came down for like five minutes to help me find something. I hear this crash upstairs. So I run upstairs and I start like just screaming at kids. My wife gets up there. She's like, oh, he's probably <laughs> like overreacting. Nope. They break this light. So they bounced it like, I, don't, I want to call it like a, like an exercise ball, right? But it's for kids. It's just like one of the big ones, uh, like probably like a two foot, like, yeah, bouncing, okay. like rubber ball, right? It's like a two foot rubber ball. You get it for a dollar at Walmart or two bucks at Walmart. They bounced one of those off our light fixture. It busted all over their beds, right? So they can't even sleep in their beds because there's glass lean in their bed. Oh man, it was a mess. So then I was cleaning that up for probably a good, like two hours, like just making sure that we moved all the beds, got all the glass out of like out from under the beds and everything. It was just not ideal. Did any of them get cut? I remember I had a buddy. We we were fucking around and we threw a ball up and hit a light fixture and it came down and it cut the living shit out of him. So it could it could have got worse, dude. Yeah. So nobody got cut, thankfully, right? It could have been way worse. Um, and like I got pretty mad. I one hundred percent did this with a hockey stick to my parents. Just like did something dumb in my like I was I think I was like chanting about the 49ers if i remember correctly and swinging this hockey stick around believe it was in my uh, my sister's room and just smack the light like the light picture <laughs> everywhere so i was i'm sure my mom did almost the exact thing, same thing that i did only it was in the middle of the day and not at night i remember it was in the middle of the day when i did that yeah i was eventful man i'm curious like do you get extra energy being a dad like is that like a real thing because i've been just coming home like drained tired and i don't even have kids like i I have dogs that are like pretty good dogs like not too demanding but i'll be like i just want to chill for 30 minutes and i feel like my day just never gives me that window and i can't imagine with kids that you ever ever get that yeah so um i would say I do not have more energy, right? So I drink more coffee today than I did. Like I didn't drink a coffee at all when I was at the gym, right? So yeah. before I had my daughter, I never drank coffee at all. Like I used to have sun drop a lot, but um, that was in like my college days. But I gave that up. I was caffeine free for the most part for I would guess like a good like three years. And I don't think I could function like that anymore. Right. So, um, but no, like I have to like force myself to be just doing things. Like I want to relax so bad. That's where <laughs> all of my like leisure time wants to go to. Right. I don't want to do anything when I get home. Uh, and that there could be like a real possibility that the reason I don't want to do anything when I get home is because I do leisure at work all day every day right so like i play board games at work so like when i come home i have no desire to play board games or play cards or like yeah i don't stuff like that it, it is just that i think it's just like you're at work so like i think even if you were going into an office doing some accounting stuff like it's it's not like 
I want to play board games, but, but yeah, I've just been thinking of that more recently. I'm like, damn, like, I feel like I'm busy all the time and I don't even have anything but two dogs. No, but so like, I felt the exact same way when I did not have kids. Right. And I didn't like, I had like one dog, I think. I mean, so I don't have, I didn't even have multiple dogs, but it just like my life felt busy all the time. You know what I mean? Like it didn't really matter like any point in my life. I always, I've always felt like I've been doing something. Yeah. It's, it's the matrix, man. They just want us to always feel like we're behind the eight ball and we got to start getting ahead of things. I don't get that behind the eight ball. Don't you want to be behind the eight ball? So if you're shooting at the eight ball, yes. But if you're behind the eight ball and your target ball is in um, front of the eight ball, then you can't hit it, right? Yeah. I I've been thinking out. about that. I've been thinking about that statement for probably a good like three months. It's weird that you're like, I don't get it because I was in the same boat as you like behind the eight ball ain't that bad, right? Like that's like probably a good thing to be like to be game one the shot. Ball, going in the pocket. But I think it has to do with like the ball got set behind the eight ball and you have to shoot at the two ball or whatever. So gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. To keeping us busy. That's what the matrix is doing to us. What else you got for us, Mike? Your kids are little hellions breaking lights and smoking doobies. Probably that's they're probably gonna start smoking doobies here soon. Yeah, because I yell at them for being active now. They're just gonna start <laughs> doing drugs and doing nothing. Right. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, so I got off my diet. Right. And so like, you'd think like, oh, that's a major over, like you got to eat whatever you wanted. I had like a plan for do for, to do for breakfast, did not do it because I got too full. I think I shrunk my stomach enough over the course of those 40, whatever days. And so I get off my diet. Right. And I was, I've probably been maybe the last two or three days I've been okay. But the first four days, I was physically uncomfortable because my stomach hurt so bad. I was because I just kept eating and eating. It was all like crap food and like just wasn't like processing through me as quickly as I had hoped. So I was like physically uncomfortable for at least three days, probably four. And I put on 10 pounds. Good for you, man. But yeah, no, there is something to that because. I think it hits you harder too, especially like you were eating like super clean. And then if you yeah. throw something like garbage into your system like that, like I think it takes, it's even worse than if you just been eating garbage the whole time. But maybe, yeah, so, maybe not. Maybe you're just getting used to it from eating garbage the whole time, but it, it feels worse. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. My, like it felt like I just had a knot in the top of my stomach for like, three days like and i was like how does this not like pro like just going through and then i drank on saturday like right away too like i had a bunch of beers which was fun i I enjoyed being drunk but i like passed out at my in-laws house (laughs) Uh, so just i I know you're drunk when you like text me stuff that's like uh, oh yeah see i don't random I mean, okay. not- I was telling you I was drunk. I remember that, but I don't necessarily remember everything that was going on. Yeah, no, you, I, I was just answer. giving you like sarcastic responses too. Because even the next day, I was like, "Yeah, may- maybe I should have uh, 
been more i don't know i was just telling you to say no <laughs> no you were you were all it was funny i showed kelly one of them like the one about her mom right that like it was like don't kiss your mom your mother-in-law or something and i showed kelly and, she, and i was laughing about it and she did not think it was funny at all which made yeah. it kind of better for me because but uh that kind of like rolls into my my over for like so like the weekend so my youngest we had celebrated my youngest son's birthday with my in-laws and then i did easter at the in-laws again so like two pretty good days up there it was awesome like weather so we were out and like hanging out in the backyard and doing shit like that and then oh sorry uh and then i had monday off because i have to work this coming saturday so tomorrow and uh we celebrated and then like we celebrated my son's birthday with my family that day so just eating cake every day and uh hanging out with the hood rats living the dream i like it yeah no, so i do so have one more thing before i let you get into your stuff no and yeah I do, so i mentioned that i applied for this like crisis negotiation team right yeah. made it got it today so nice you are I, gonna be talking people off of buildings here soon you didn't do a good job talking me off the building when i gave no i let you jump i mean like if the packers lose in the nfc championship game we might as well just all be jumping i want to think of another hypothetical maybe i'll do it some other time uh or email us at banging on the drum at gmail.com email us a hypothetical situation that you want mike to negotiate you out of i want to want to hear these i want someone to come up with a better one than than i did but yeah congratulations that's that's pretty cool like especially if you get to use it out in the community that's gonna be stressful as shit yeah so i think so most communities already have like a team of some sort right and so the only way i would really pr like use it would be like in a like a small town like the one i live in i suppose like if they knew that i had it I'd probably be the guy for Walton, right? But there might be other people that are here that have the same training, right? So yeah. if a cop lives in town, they might have the exact same training. Someone's then, robbing a bank or some shit. Yeah, and like the opportunity to use it here would be pretty minimal as well, I would imagine. I hope it happens. <laughs> uh, and then, so, but inside the facility, it could like, it that team could be called upon for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it ever will be, but yeah, I mean, it's very plausible that someone's going to be upset enough to do some stupid shit that you yeah. probably need to, you know, talk about or anything like right. that. Right. And it wouldn't just be me. Like, there's a team of people, but like, still, I think it's kind of cool. I think it would be an interesting resume builder, right? And yeah, I'm no, something cool. But I, but I made it today. So they called me today and let me know. So I was pretty excited one of my favorite so that would be a team that like i wouldn't think like a town like wilton would have or even even a town like sparta would really have maybe more so sparta but that is part of us yeah the most random one i ever remember we actually got to work with the mike uh the monroe county dive team oh was yeah like, yeah like that guy <laughs> they're one of the head guys for that lives in wilton too yeah it was just so like weird to me that they had 
like Monroe County had a dive team just to like dive in these lakes. And I mean, thankfully we weren't working with them for, because then once I really thought about it, it's like, oh, if someone like dies in a lake and stuff, they have to like go dig them out. Like when we yeah, were with them, at least they were just practicing and like they were helping us move a dock basically. It was, yeah. And like, uh, I mean, there's enough lakes in Monroe County. Yeah. Right. That it's probably a relatively big deal. Yeah. But it was just funny. It was like a, just a ragtag group of like, no, like disrespect or anything, but like, it was just like some good old boys and girls that like, yeah, that died. Like, (laughs) and they go look for dead bodies when there's a possibility for there to be dead bodies in a lake. Yeah, maybe that's it. That could be something I could do, I think. Right? Yeah. You have a dive team too? Geez, I could be really well rounded. Yep. You get your diving license out at Formicoy. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna get this one rolling a little bit. I'm gonna try not to take too long with mine because Dusty and I did talk for a while. Um so, anyways, for my under, uh, we're redoing our guest room. So if if you're watching this on YouTube, if we were uh responsible enough to actually put it out uh in a timely matter um you can see i got a tv behind me now and i don't have it on the camera but like right over here to my right there is a bunch of shit that i have to put together and i am just dog shit at putting together furniture thought i had the tv walmo thing down nope bent um two-day project was putting his TV up behind me. And honestly, I don't think it was my fault this time. Is I did a good job. I found the studs. I hooked it up to the back of the TV. Just great. Have a pretty powerful drill. It's not cordless. I think that's my next tool investment is a cordless one. Didn't really need it for right there. And my my drill can rip. Like it, It's cheap as fuck, but like it can torque. And I, the screws that the the mount came with just got stripped to shit in like one second and not like the, the grooves in the front of the screw, like the, the Phillips back of the screw just was a round circle by the end. And, and I fucked up one of my drill bits as well. And that, I mean, at least I would knew I was hitting the stud, right. But yeah, that that was a pain in my ass. Yeah. So, you, what you're probably doing is I shouldn't say probably. I, what I think is happening is you're using a, like a real drill to do a screwdriver's work, right? So the cordless ones like generally have like a attachment on the or like not an attachment but a dial that you could dial that back so you're not like ripping into that screw so bad. Ah. But see, I was trying slow. I was trying fast. Like I had a couple okay, opportunities so with, with this, but it, it is whatever. Like probably somebody that's good at that shit could have got it done with the screws that were given to to it. But uh, always nice because then I get to call my dad and ask like what I'm doing wrong, and he loves that shit. And I tend to enjoy learning. And he basically just sent me a picture of my dumbass couldn't even tell you what it was but basically like unstrippable screws like screws that like it's not uh it's not a flathead thing it's It's not a like like you kind of yeah you like grab the outside of it so it's and then it it just rips 
And that, like I went to Ace Harbor, got two of those, got the job done in like two seconds. She's just like, and it was a nice job. Thank you, Ace Hardware. Yep. Yep. That's a shout out. Our, uh, our uh, presenting sponsor today is Ace Hardware. There you go. So go to Ace, get some screws that can't be stripped. And then my over, which actually kind of was kind of an under. I, I forgot about that I wrote this because it happened basically the day after we recorded last time. But so I got a run route that's around these lakes uh, in Tallahassee. And I'm running around this lake and I see these two little kids like fishing and doing whatever and whatnot. They were, I hadn't really seen it ever before, but they were using a net. So they were real close to the water and they were using a net, throwing it out. And then it would like grab and like catch stuff. And they were catching bluegill and shit with, with this net fishing. Is this legal in Florida? I don't know. They were like 10. So pretty <laughs> sure just, they're fine. But they're, they're Floridians. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're going to, you're going to hear how much more Floridians they are with this story. So they're doing this and they're kind of in like a, a walkway, like a land bridge in between like two lakes, basically. And I'm running by and I happen to see there's a gator, like a decent sized gator that is looking at these two little shits like they're food. And, and he's behind them. So like they're casting granted, like the land bridge, like the gator would have to be pretty ballsy to like get across this land bridge. But you know, it's, it's maybe 10 feet once the gator gets on to land and so I'm like, it did actually take me a second. And I was like, okay, I'm not from Florida. I don't know like how dangerous this situation is. But I was like, these kids are like fucking, like I'm I'm going to run over by them and at least let them know. And I let them know, like, I'm like, hey guys, I I qualified myself. I was like, I'm not from Florida, but that gator is is looking at you guys like your food. Like there, there's one like literally five feet from the shore looking at you. So probably 15 feet away from you guys. And, and the kids were like pretty cool. Like they were like, Oh, Hey, yeah, thanks, man. Like, like, and then they like seen the gator and they got like all excited. And I heard the one say to the other one, like, Hey, we need to get out of here. And then, then I was like, Okay, whatever. I gave them a heads up. Like, I'm not going to feel guilty if, like, this story comes out. Like, because I at least let them know. And then that's, like, where I come into the park. And then I leave the park in, like, the same exact area. So I'm running. It's probably, like, two-mile loop. And when I get back, the kids are throwing the net exactly where the gator was. And they had like fishing bowls and they were like casting at like, like I didn't see the gator anymore, but that's exactly where they were fishing. Like they did not give a fuck about this gator. They wanted to like get they it. Were, like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So you, you kind of saved their lives, except for they were like, let's get this damn gator. 
Yeah. We got him. No, I, and yeah, I was, I was like, ah, might not want to look at the news feed for a little bit, but I don't know, man. I, Florida people do not get shook by gators. Like, they, so yeah, I would agree with that, right? So the things that are dangerous in Florida that people grew up with, they're like, okay, it is what it is. Same with people in Wisconsin with blizzards. They're like, oh, we're going to drive 50 miles when there's supposed to be nine inches of snow. Okay, it'll be fine. Like, we'll figure it out. They just do that, right? They don't care. Like, a big blizzard doesn't, like, necessarily affect you too bad. Kansas, same thing with tornadoes. They do not give two fucks about tornadoes. They're like, oh, there's a tornado warning. Who cares? Right? That happens every day. I shouldn't say every day, but it happens all the time. So it's not like. Yeah, they go out and look for it. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely did respect the move on the kids. And even what I was telling them, like while I was running around that loop, I was halfway expecting. Like I definitely looked back in their direction to see what they were going to be doing because I, I don't know how I would feel. Like honestly, like I'm not from Florida and I'm not even really that afraid of gators. I'm more afraid of like, granted, I always have my dogs on a leash. Like when we walk down in that area, I'm more afraid of that is like, yeah, one, that's probably picking an off actual my, danger. Yeah. Right? Picking off my dog. Like, cause I, my mom called me, it's probably been a month. And she was like, did you hear about that lady that her and her dog got ate by that gator? I was like, I did not need to hear that news, but that like put me on alert. Like, Cause like I said, like if either of my dogs got snatched by it, like I would be at least getting fucked up at the bare minimum by a gator to try my hardest to get them back. So, um, yeah, I try to avoid that, but yeah, that's all I got. You want to get rolling into this? Yeah. Let's, uh, talk about our like masters gamble bet thing that did not pan out very well for me. Oh, yeah. You got the shit kicked out of you, and I got lucky as shit. So just to sum it up, so Mark, uh, a.k.a. Crunchy Taco uh, <laughs> for a wiener. I <laughs> got a Crunchy Taco for a wiener. Uh, he totaled minus 15. Uh, his best pick was Jordan Spieth. I'll just uh, – you had two guys. So you had minus seven total. But you also had two guys miss the cut uh, that I didn't even know how to account for. I think the way we did it last year was you just get plus 10 on both the days. You don't. So if we did that, you would be plus 17. Yeah. Uh, and then I just whooped everybody's ass. I picked the first place winner. And so I had John Rahm and I had Brooks Kepka. Um I think like Phil uh, ended up having a pretty good showing on that last day, goes out and shoots his 65 to tie for a second. Um, but yeah, if we just sum up the Masters of, as it was, uh, Brooks Kepka was hot early, uh, lots of bad weather. It was kind of a tough Masters to watch. I'm sure everybody listening to this is already over the Masters, but Anyways, Brooks Kepka kind of falls apart in the third and fourth round that were basically both 
played on Sunday. I want to say what yeah, you, they, they played 30, 30 holes on because they played. I mean, it's for sure that last, like the last few groups, they didn't finish till like 1030 in the morning. They probably started at seven or eight, right? Yeah. So I want to say Brooks Kepka and John Rahm were in the final group and they got to hole six. Uh, they were just finishing up on six. They both had putts. So it, it flipped right away. Like I want to say Brooks Kepka had a four stroke lead. And then right when they started on Sunday, Rom had a birdie putt and Kepka had a par putt. And Rom hit his birdie putt. Kepka missed his uh, par putt. So two two shots swing right there. And and then Rom just dominated on out. And Kepka could just not score. He I don't know. He he parred enough, but Rom Rom was a absolute killer out there. He yep. he was gonna be tough to beat right after that first hole, but Pretty interesting masters. It was kind of annoying to me. Um, I did get to watch more golf than I've ever watched on a Sunday. That that was kind of nice that the coverage picked up early in the morning, but but yeah, I crushed you guys in the competition. We didn't put anything on the line in that one. So good. My proposal was that you have to eat uh a 12 pack of crunchy tacos now (laughs) so i think that i think that that's doable um i don't know how long that would take me though seems like a 15 minute or just during the show yeah i was gonna give you the whole episode we we, okay it's get so it'll be i forget what big golf tournaments next if it's i I don't know cup is coming up right no that that happened too recently i could be very wrong but I don't think the Ryder it's I don't think it's a Ryder Cup year. Okay. I could be wrong about that. But anyways, next uh big tournament that we bring Mark on, we'll just have you eating tacos the whole time that Mark's on the show. So that's what we'll do. I like uh, that. Or until I finish until I finish 12. 12. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, you can't talk until uh well, no. I, I don't like that you can talk, but you you have to be consistently eating the 12 tacos throughout the show. And okay. I, I think it's fairly doable, but I think it's going to be harder than we think it is in our heads right now. And they got to be the crunchy tacos as well, which makes it shittier. Like if it was soft shell tacos, I would, I would take that in stride and be very yeah. happy about it. Do you want me to leave my mic on as I eat this crunchy tacos? Just <laughs> No, I think Mark and I can uh, commentate enough for you uh, okay. while you're doing it. So, so they did have one of the, um, like the new, like everybody gets paid. All the big players get paid tournaments. That was supposed to be like this weekend, I know. But I thought okay. there was something coming up in May that's like a big tournament. Yeah, I can't remember like the PGA Championship. Or the U.S. Open, or even the Open British, what used to be the British Open. Like I can't remember which one's next. The, P- 
So the PGA Championship is May 18th through the 21st. Okay, that's that's when you'll be doing it then. Is we'll probably have Mark on for that if we can get him. He's he's a pretty easy get. The old crunchy taco will come back on. So see, and I think I think where he should he said crunchy taco, and I think like crusty taco would make would be funnier. So like I think that's what I put into the graphic because I thought that was more amusing. But no, and it keeps. He just said hard taco. He said hard shell. Okay, and we just keep making it whatever <laughs> we want it to be. Um, so that that's how yeah, it that's goes. good. But yeah, anyways, that's, what ha- that's what happens. That's what happens. We'll roll into barking about the Bucks here. So Bucks play Sunday at five thirty Eastern. So four thirty. Your time, that's pretty sweet. And they are going to be playing the Miami Heat, who just beat the Bulls tonight. Do you got the score off the top of your head? It looked I like I had the score. I just saw that. I can grab it real quick if you want to keep going. But I just saw that they did get the win. Um, Yeah, who cares? I mean, we're, we're going to be playing the Miami Heat. Um, I don't think they're going to be too much trouble for the Bucks, but this is – when I really start to uh, learn other teams is when the when the Bucks play them in the playoffs, and I do still get some. I was talking to another buddy before we recorded today. I get some uh, PTSD from from the bubble when the Heat took us down. Yeah, I did not think they were gonna. But well, I didn't think anybody could beat us that year. To be honest with you, in seven games. Yeah, no, I I didn't think so either. But yeah, they just shot phenomenally uh weird ass circumstances weird ass year yeah um, that that's what i'm going to chalk it up to and we did absolutely thump the heat on the way to the championship uh the the year we won so yeah i, I don't think the heat are going to be posing that big of a threat um i'll pull up Real quick, because I just want to see what kind of spreads we're looking at when they're playing in Milwaukee um, and see if I can pull that up real quick. And sure, shit, I can't. But yeah, I don't know if the spread's not out yet. But yeah, let's play. Mike, guess guess what you think the spread's going to be? Six. I'm going to say nine in the first game and i I think the bucks are going to win this one by 10. i think it's we've got all the proper rest uh since the last show uh the bucks went oh and two but they just did not play anybody like some of the lineups they were putting out were like almost comical but i mean it was nice uh to get these guys some playing time what what did you say you thought this probably was going to be? Six. Nine and a half. So I almost got it. Almost nailed it. It is nine and a half. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, my Yahoo was down. The score still, but <laughs> Yahoo fucking with me. Them damn Yahoos. But, yeah, that, that's all I got. Maybe we'll bring somebody on to talk about the Bucks in the playoffs soon. We'll see if we can get. K9 Kyle. Um, I haven't talked to him about it yet, so might be talking yeah. on my butt. He's 
He's always like, oh, I'm too busy crunching all the numbers. I'm going to count CPA for Madison, bro. This is serious shit. So we'll, we'll see if we can talk him into coming on and just giving us a breakdown. If not, I, I know some other Milwaukeeans that are very plugged in to give it to us. And honestly, I'm, I've been very, very plugged into the Bucks. Uh, if, if they're on national TV, uh, you know, I'm on them. And then if they're not, I'm usually watching the next day, combing through some box scores. So we should be nice. good. My, my outside the Bucks knowledge though, isn't that great, but Miami's such like a familiar foe. So uh, next show, we'll see if we can break down how we think the series is going to go a little bit better. I mean, they'll probably be up 2-0 in that series. But let's roll to barking about the Brewers. And so starting the season, they have won one, two, three. So they won their first three series, end up dropping two of three to Arizona, lose their first series against Arizona. And then last night, they beat San Diego. And I want to say it was an extra innings. In 10, yeah. Four to three. Uh, currently, I can look right behind me to see the score. Five nothing. Five nothing Brewers. Yep. With Lauer on the mound. So, still looking good. Um, let me see the schedule because... Is this a three-game or a four-game, or do you know that? Uh, I don't know right off the top of my head. Four-gamer. Four. Yeah. Four and then, they, then they're headed up to Seattle to play the Mariners. So, Yeah. And I am not going to lie to the crowd. When the Brewers are playing on the West Coast and me living on the East Coast, I might see the first inning of said games when that's going on. But. Same with the Bucks. Like I usually do, go back and see see at least how it went down. Yeah, and so for me, like baseball, I don't have to go back and see. I might go back and look at a score, but I don't have to go back and like watch a game for sure. Yeah, and, and it's tough to just doing that because when you're actually watching the game live, you get like a better feel for how the pitchers doing, and like one bad inning can just absolutely kill you and like in the box score at least like you could have one bad inning you give up five hits four runs oh yeah with an era and you could have been pitching lights out the whole game in the box the box you can't see that in the box so that's very true yeah try to do a little due diligence on that but what it seems like to this point in the season though is all of our new guys have just kind of been rushing it like Brian Anderson, I want to say, is leading the team in RBIs. Uh, I actually do have it up. So, yeah, he has 10 RBIs leading the team there. He's hitting 282, three dingers. Garrett Mitchell is an absolute stud, but we've seen that coming from last year, the end of last year when we called him up. Uh, still crushing it. Willie Adamas still bopping some dingers. Yelich. Is still doing a little thing, right? Uh, what what that that's an interesting one to me. Is what what do you think of Yelich now? Because I 
think we have like an unrealistic faith that he's going to bounce back and be an MVP caliber player at some point again. And I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, so I would be surprised if that if we were ever running into maybe he's McCutcheon, right? Gets an MVP, is a like mildly plus player, right? But never really at that level that he was when he won the MVP. Yeah, I mean he is like a plus player for sure. I like how you put that though, mildly plus. Um, but you know he gets on base, he takes he takes his walks, so. Right now he's hitting 226, but on base percentage of 328, which isn't great, but he does lead the team in runs. And granted, that might come from you know leading off, uh, being a leadoff hitter is you're going to lead the team in runs. But he tends to score runs when he gets on base, which will take. So even if we can get a third of what Yelich was doing when he's winning these MVPs, it's really going to be uh, a difference maker. And then the starting pitching has been really good. Um, I'll take it back. I'll just say they've been good. But the bullpen, they have been amazing to this point in the year. Um, as a team, the Brewers' ERA is 2. 8-2 at this point in the season, which it's still early as shit, but take you score four runs, you're winning a game. Yeah, right. I mean, like the other thing about that is is the Brewers bullpen has kind of been their staple for the council era, right? Like he manages a bullpen as well as anybody in the league. Yeah. And there may be new rules because of the way he managed a bullpen at some point. Like Right. So there's certain rules about changing out pitchers and stuff like that, almost because of the way Milwaukee handled it maybe three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Just pulling every string possible. Yeah. Um, while you're going through a playoff series, which is a little bit of frustrating or a little bit frustrating, but I've been loving all the rule changes. I've been able to watch i want to say two full games which which doesn't sound like a lot right now but once the summer kicks in and i'm not busy all the time that's going to become more of a regular occurrence um and we do record right during this but each game i watched i was just like this this flows this is nice like i want to say that it's cut games on average 30 minutes and they needed it yeah. that's almost it, the perfect amount they needed to be honest with you i think like even the nfl i wouldn't be mad if their product was shorter yeah right? no. like 30 minutes shorter i don't think i would be mad about that God, um, but the, the nfl I did it. I think the once a week thing Changes makes it, it yeah but oh yeah right but like I had a buddy who called it like probably right when they said the pitch clock was going to get implemented. He's like, this is like, it's going to fuck with beer sales. It's going to happen. Like the beer sales are going to get fucked with. And like not even two weeks into the season, the brewers adjusted their, when they, how 
like when they cut off beer sales, right? Yeah. And so he was right. I was, he was rubbing it into me the other day that, or maybe yesterday that like, see, I told you this was going to happen, but I don't think it's a big deal. It's $2 million a year. And so in a winning franchise, like, so if the Brewers win, they're going to put two to 3 million people through their park on a given year. If you just raise the seat price by $1 in each seat, you'll cover that. But yeah, people are going to find a reason to about yeah. that. Yeah. No matter what, but the thing I find funny about that is why do you think that, uh, that they stopped selling beer in the seventh inning or used to now it's the eighth inning. Yeah. So I like, um, I, when, uh, who is it? Stro, Stroman, Strom, the pitcher that from the Phillies that said something about drunk driving on the way home, oh. we're giving people an opportunity to sober up before they drive. Um, and I kind of was like, oh yeah, that kind of like that, like meshes, like I, that makes sense to me. It's not that I don't think at all. Uh, this same guy brought up like why he thinks they do it. And it makes way more sense. It's so that you get people to leave. Right. So if they're sitting there like drinking a beer or like, and they're not supposed to be going out to their car, it's not like carrying it out in public. It's so that they're done with their beer and they're not trying to like hang around the stadium and still be there. They're trying to get back out to their car. Yeah. I think think that's probably the maybe the business standpoint of but you would think though like if you're trying to run from like a business standpoint you'd be like if we're gonna have people stay in here and drink 15 dollars beers or whatever the fuck they cost right now you know you you would be like okay we're we'll just let them do that to some extent though you have to pay people to sell them those beers and like be there as long as they're there yeah yeah that that is true yeah i i don't fully understand why because i always thought it was the drunk driving thing and it clearly isn't because if you're shortening the games and you're extending the beer sales like that's that's not why you're doing it but i did hear this on another podcast um but I was aware of the situation. Like, have you ever heard the story of the dime beer night at um, in Cleveland? No. Oh, I man. bet you it did not go well. Yeah, we, we might have to deep dive into that sometime. But I want to say it was in, like, late 80s, early 90s. And they, like, the Indians at the time were not selling any tickets. So they were like, we're going to sell beer for a dime and then they hire like two young girls to like facilitate this dime beer night and and they ended up getting so overwhelmed that they just were like we're not getting paid enough for this shit that they left and then they ended up just like giving out free beer and it was like walking out to like a keg and just pouring your own beer and then people were like shit face ripping their shirts off like running on the field probably yeah Yeah. they need a documentary on some shit like that i think there is i i think you you can definitely find a documentary 
on that situation. And, and it is a thirty for where's the thirty for thirty for that one? That it might there might be a thirty for thirty. I because my wife listened to it on one of the shows she listened to, and she was like explaining it to me. Um, had had she you was, heard about it before that? Yeah, because she was saying it happened in Cincinnati. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. And it was like, we just had gotten back from Cincinnati at the time that she was listening to it. So I was like, I, I think you're skewing that or uh, that just because just Cincinnati's on your mind. But yeah, I had heard about it before. But yeah, it is a crazy story. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, maybe we can look into that more and talk about it sometime. But are you yeah, ready? Yeah, I think I think that would be an excellent one. I'd be excited to like, yeah. get into that a little bit further. So my favorite murder is the podcast that she listens to. That so that's what it. the wife listens to as well. I don't know that she's heard that one from them, but but yeah, but maybe ask her about it because it I I enjoy like when we're on road trips like that when we need to like agree on something. I can dig that a little bit. Like they talk about sometimes the stuff's like a little, like, I, I don't care to hear about that. Yeah. So most stuff like that, because I know, I don't want to say, I know people that have done those things, but I've known, I know people who have done things of that nature. Oh man. The one that fucked me up the most, I don't think it was on my favorite murder, but I'd listened to a podcast and it was about high school students. So it was a guy and a girl, whatever, very well to do. The guy was going to the Air Force Academy. The girl in the relationship was going to the Naval Academy once they were done with, uh, with school. I, I don't know why I'm diving into this right now, but I just want other people's heads to be fucked up like mine was for a little bit but so anyways i'm making a long story short whatever i listened to they got into way too much detail of this shit the guy ends up cheating on the girl with a girl from a different track team like they were big track people and he felt real bad about cheating and he told his girlfriend about it or she found out about it somehow and she says the only way i'll take you back is if you kill that girl and sure as yeah sure as shit they they go on like i don't they both picked up this girl drove her out into like the woods and just fucking like bashed her head in threw her out into the middle of nowhere very like uncharacteristic of both these people so it was like you know, hard to yeah. figure out because they were like, no, the, those the one dude's got a letter from a senator or whatever you need to get to yeah. the Air Force Academy, and the other girl's going to Ann Arbor, so it do, doesn't make any not Ann Arbor. No, what is it? Annapolis. Annapolis, yeah. And and yeah, and I think they ended up finding out because the girl would brag at school that her boyfriend had killed somebody for her or some shit like that. Jesus. And like, and I think the guy was like genuinely fucked up about it. Like, you know, like I couldn't even imagine how you'd feel like, cause it would definitely be crossing your mind. Like at least I want to say 
every hour. Um, oh God, I bet you'd be way more than that, especially <laughs> yeah, in the first, yeah. like maybe like years later, it would only be like slightly infrequently that you're like, oh man, I can't believe I did that shit. But like, there's like dumb shit that sometimes crosses my mind. I'm like, I can't believe I like I, I said like poop in that situation or something, you know, I don't yeah. can't like get a specific off my head, but like, just like dumb shit that I'm like, why would I have ever done that? And then like something like serious like that. Oh yeah. And they, they killed her like brutally. Cause I think they tried to like kill her initially and she wouldn't like die. Yeah, and I think I, it's kind of hard to kill people. I don't think that that's like as easy as like, Oh, you know, just a little knock on the head and you drive off. And yeah. Yeah. I imagine I just, that it's much more difficult than that. And I think, yeah, they killed her in a pretty brutal way. Uh, like very painful. Yeah. It, it, I remember like after I heard that, I was like, yeah, I, I do not need to hear any more of these things like with this this detail. Cause yeah, it fucked me up for a little while. Yeah, and like I I don't know, I hear about like shit at work and then I'm like, I don't need to hear about this stuff. Like just skews the way my brain works towards the people I actually have to work with. And so when I come home, I don't want to hear about it either. The ones that do interest me is where like guys that I am working with, like if there's like a story about them those kind of interest me. So there's a movie about, so there's a guy in our facility currently, his son has a movie out that uh, his son robbed banks or something like that in Canada. Oh, and so like, there's a movie out about this guy's son. So yeah, I feel like people love bank robbers. Like no, no one's ever like, fuck that bank robber. so, So from what I understand, this guy's out and he's like, he was at the premiere for the movie. Like in like weird shit. So I don't know, but I don't like, I don't know a hundred percent. Like it's just people on my unit talking about it. So. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I don't know. I remember we used to, I feel like you had a story about someone robbing a bank in Wilton or some shit and getting away with it. In Norwalk. Somebody got away with a, <laughs> with a bank robbery in Norwalk. Yeah. <laughs> My butt, like, so this guy that the guy, the guy I went to high school with thinks he knows my uncle Steve did it. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, he thinks it was like one of the guys that worked on one of the farms that he worked on at the same time. So, yeah, we, we won't, we won't divulge too much. That was shit. That was probably like 15 years ago now. I wonder what the statute of limitations on bank robbery is. 16 years probably 16 years yeah i better hold it tight for a little bit huh yeah yep yep all right you ready to drive fast and turn left or you want me to drive fast and turn yeah let's drive fast and turn left i saw uh martin truex jr finished seventh dirt track in bristol um chris bell won the race um in the number 20 car i you wrote the number 20 car in there huh i would never yep. cared i don't even know what's uh martin truex's 19 14 mtj is i think yeah. he's the 19 car uh um, he's currently sitting in 10th in the standings and comfortably in the chase but he needs to win something i'm sick of this motherfucker not winning no goddamn races yeah he's 19 so i think you were right you you said it right Oh, uh, we got the number. What what do you think the most 
famous person with the first name Martin and then a prefix at the end of their last name Junior is. Martin Sheen? No, he's not a junior, I don't think. <laughs> uh, then there's like Martin Short. Martin Short is pretty famous. I don't know. Is it? Is it not Martin Truex Jr.? Martin Luther King Jr.? You ever heard of him? Uh, yeah, definitely have. Yeah, that's good. That's a, huh, interesting. I didn't even like put the two and two together. No, I didn't yeah. until I tried to Google it, and that was the first thing that showed up. I just like Martin to... Jr. You couldn't remember Truex's last name or what? No, I typed in Martin, and then it pulls up Martin Luther King Jr. He's the first Martin, rightfully so. When you, yeah, yep, yep, for sure. <laughs> There's probably some NASCAR fans that don't agree with that. That think uh, Martin Truex Jr. should be number one, but I don't know. He didn't even win a race last year. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely do need him to catch some checkers here soon because yeah. it's getting it's getting a little ridiculous. That fair enough. All right, you ready for some hot in the street? Yeah, so uh, Tampa Bay Rays are still undefeated, 13-0. Are they 14-0 after tonight? I was just going to check that because I wrote that last night, and Rays cut into, nope, they lost one, 13-1. and one. So They're they, terrible. Yeah. Not break them up, start selling the team. Yeah, dog shit. The move, up, yeah. move them back to Montreal. Let's go. Or, so like it's is that the Montreal team? Is it just moved? No, I think Montreal actually went to DC. So I think the oh, national yeah, yeah, you might be right. So like the Rays kind of are like Montreal, like they don't get no fans, like and I shouldn't say that Montreal, I don't remember ever actually being good. The Rays on occasion put together a good team. Like this they, I feel like they like compete year in and year out for yeah but they're not they never have any fans like nobody wants to go there what's the deal that is so i've been to obviously miller park american family field whatever you want to call it now uh wrigley field and then tropicana i think is i've only been at three major league parks tropicana is a fucking dump dude so bad uh yeah all right so it does. It's just it, it's just weird, like how crappy it is. Like not even just inside the stadium, but outside the stadium. We were walking up to the stadium, and I was like, "Where's the stadium?" And it just looks like a warehouse. It has like a big orange on it. Like that's it. It, it was it was interesting because I feel like I maybe heard people say Tropicana was a dump, but I was like, okay, that. That's worse than Wrigley. I heard you thought Wrigley was not pleasant when you went. Yeah, no, I I used to shit on Wrigley pretty hard. Um, I was young when I had visited Wrigley. And honestly, the only time I'd been to Wrigley, so I think I've only been once, and the Brewers weren't even playing. So, like, I had no – the Cubs were playing – the Seattle Mariners. So it was interleague ball. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Seattle ended up winning. I want to say, never mind. I'm not even going to try to draw into my memory like that. Come on, where's your steel trap at? Just like that. Yeah. No, I don't got that. Uh, Adrian Beltran 
It was well, Beltre so, would have played for the Mariners for a while, and then he went to the Rangers. Okay, so I think Beltre had won that game late. I want to say it was ten innings, but whatever. Rays are not undefeated anymore, so it shouldn't even be hot in the street. Yeah, because they're shitty now. Yep, thirteen and one. Uh, the Badgers yeah. landed. Yep. Is it AJ Store? I think in the transfer portal from St. John's, six six guard. Averages eight points a game in the Big East. I can deal with that. Almost nine. Yeah, no, we'll take that. Uh, especially just to have someone that lights a little bit of a fire under Hepburn's ass. Uh, maybe an option to go to when, you know, he tries to play hero ball. I think both of us have the idea that he uh, disobeys guard. Disobey sounds like a strong word, but like kind of plays his own game sometimes like late in the game. I think there's a couple games that he actually, he for sure did. Whether he does that consistently, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I and I don't think it's like a blatant disregard. Like it's kind of like, hey, I'm feeling it, so I'm gonna do this. And then like everybody that's watching is like, why are you feeling that right now? Like that's worked for you like two percent of the time that. We've right. seen it happen. So that two percent lives in your brain. Like I'd oh, rather yeah. have a guy with that kind of confidence than a guy that never wants to take that last shot. But it did look not very good this year. And like, it's okay, right? He's he's young. He can he can grow another year or two. We'll see how it ends up. He was a sophomore, right? Yeah, yeah. So he'll be back. Uh, I can't remember. Did we mention Walls back? On the last show, I'm pretty sure we did. Yes, we did. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Wall's back. Um, Badger football landed a three-star linebacker. I don't want to even try to pronounce his last name. Landon Guthier, and he's in state, right? Yeah, I want to say Green Bay. Some some Bay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I th- like. I think if you're like a high-end linebacker recruit, Wisconsin is probably the place for you. Maybe not as much anymore with, um, shit. Can't even think of this guy. Fickle, um, with Fickle being there and Leonard being gone, but like we've been putting out linebackers for like fifteen years into the NFL that are like really plus linebackers. Well, and the game's changing. So if I can uh, draw back into my steel trap uh, with having Keel on, uh, saying how our defense is going to look a little bit more nickelish is you know you need those like fast linebackers and it used to be like oh if you go to wisconsin you're playing in a pro set offense you're playing in a pro set defense you're going to be ready for the league well the league is starting to look different and more like yeah more like some running guns type stuff right yeah so i i think it's going to translate very well like i i think wisconsin is going to move into they'll still be shipping out good solid linebacking crews um but yeah we we were spoiled there for a while like um let levy in that crew because it was levy deandre levy and then there's a guy that played for the giants for like 10 years who was yeah. good off that team i want to say can levy but my brain's on baseball but there was a seat castillo um, yep. And yeah, and I think he played for the Saints for a while, but that yeah, was that, kind that, of the first wave, right? Yeah. And then who knew 
how good Borland would have been if if he kept playing football because he wins defensive rookie of the year and retires. So that's yeah, kind of crazy. But like, I think if you would go back, there's like a handful of guys that spent good amount of time in the league, and like I just naming them off the top of my head, I can't do. But like, even like Van Ginkle in um Miami, like that's a just a guy who is a like just a player from Miami. Then he just he's not a superstar, but he's gonna be there for probably 10 years in the league. Right. Oh yeah. And there's good and there's probably seven of those dudes around the NFL right now that are from Wisconsin as linebackers. Like a Zach Vaughn's probably gonna stick with in the NFL for 10 years and you, he'll just never be a superstar, but he's always gonna be there. Yeah, one of those guys on your team. And yeah, we we've had this conversation before, but I feel like probably because we don't play video games as much anymore, so we don't uh know know as many names as we used to. But I also do think there has been more of a shine put on the defensive line, like where we were a kid, like middle linebackers were like you knew who the middle yeah. linebacker was for most every team, I, I would say, at, at a point in time. Like, at, yeah, yeah, I would agree. And and now it seems like it's, you, you know, the D tackles more. But I feel like that shine rightfully so has been, has been put to the defensive line because any middle linebacker that you look at in our time in the league, if you look at who their D tackle was, you're like, Oh shit, that's yeah, like you make a big was. difference, right? Yeah, like that's 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 maybe where it was at, right? There is yeah, this guy takes on two blocks, so you can hit the running yeah. back every time. Fill so, every hole, right? Yeah. yeah, you have a good point that like for sure Ray Lewis played with some of the best in the league. I don't know who uh like um was on the Bears teams with Erlacher, but you know. That not to say that those guys weren't really, really good at what they did with like Lewis and Erlacher, but I would guess that the guy in front of them was also really good too. Yeah. Or maybe that made the guy in front of him really good too. Right. The fact that you got to think about Ray Lewis. Yeah. Who was a Nodi Lada? I want to say. Yeah. So Lada. Was there for a long time. I think there was another guy. Siragusa was in front of him, maybe oh, yeah. early part of his career too. And I think he had good D tackles in front of him. And then he had some pretty good like edge rushers too, with like a Suggs was there at the end for sure, who was like his outside linebacker, but was definitely yeah, no. a uh, edge rusher, right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of the were the hybrid <clears throat> edge rusher has led to nowadays. But yeah, we can we spent Spend some time on linebackers there. What do you got for this last one? I don't even know. And then uh, Buda Baker, the safety from the Cardinals, has asked for a trade. Apparently that happened probably right around 4 o'clock today, 3.30, 4 o'clock. And so pretty pretty substantial. I think it would be interesting if the Packers took a jump on that, right, to have just another guy back there. But like $13 million is probably to $15 million is probably a lot to ask for. Say send Aaron Rodgers a first round pick. Let's go. No, I, I would doubt you have to even send a first round pick. I, I mean, mean so, like, so they send Buda Baker in a first round pick, and we send him 
Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, like I think that that's legitimate. I know that other people think that Aaron Rodgers is maybe worth a sixth, maybe, right? So um, I guess we can touch on that as we're kind of going is that the story recently that came out was that there was a deal in place and Rodgers said he was 90% retired, which makes me think that the Jets are complete morons, that they didn't understand that he was at least on the fence about retiring, right? Like you knew that it was a possibility that he retires after this year. So that means it's a possibility that he retires after next year too. Like this isn't new information. Yeah. No. And, um, and Dusty and I touched on that a little bit, like, okay. It, that it just seemed a hundred percent, not true. Like what, what, what was going on? Yeah. And so like what I've kind of noticed from the Packers and from Rogers is that, like shit doesn't get out unless they want it out. And I don't know that that's what happens with the jets. Right. So the Packers don't leak a ton of shit. Yeah. They might be leaking some of this stuff that's going on, but the like Aaron Rodgers is a bad, like employee doesn't actually make any sense to me. Right. So there's a report out there that he was skipping um, stuff with Lafleur. But Lafleur has never like come out and said like, uh, like I can't deal with Aaron Rodgers. Like he doesn't listen. He doesn't. He didn't, he's never said that. He's always said he wants him back. Yeah. Rodgers has never said like anything disparaging about Lafleur. Right. He might say it about Goody or Mark Murphy, but he doesn't say anything bad about Lafleur. Right. Like that he would. He doesn't respect him, or he thinks his his like stuff is stupid or anything like that that I can remember. It, but no. even if he thinks that, like that shit doesn't come out. Yeah. And, so, and like, this is gonna be double. Oh, sorry, go ahead. When I see negative shit about Aaron Rodgers come out, I wonder if that's all from like the Jets. Yeah. I mean, that's the conspiracy theory there, but like I there's definitely definitely precedence to what you're saying is because you know, small town cover up stuff, Green Bay. Yeah, like, fair enough, we're yeah. we're gonna take care of our guys. Like New York, like you're fair game. You're getting ripped apart. Like all the quarterbacks that go to New York, you know, what when Favre was in Green Bay, I guess the Vicodin stuff comes out, but he goes to New York, they're finding out he's sending dick pics like in a week to, to reporters. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I mean, so a, even like no Eli fight. Manning who's probably pretty squeaky clean, got ripped apart about his football stuff quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's not an easy market to play in, but I, I think everybody knows that. Um, whereas Green Bay, you know, I you're right. Like, it doesn't seem like anything they don't want out gets out. Most stuff seems fairly calculated, and nobody ever fucking knows what they're going to do like even in the draft like i don't think yeah any fan or like you or i can be like okay we're going out and we're getting weapons this year because you you could be like we clearly need weapons there's weapons on the board and then they're like you know we're gonna take another defender from georgia like right off the bat but yeah um 
yeah, I, like I just, I just, I had the thoughts today. Like, it doesn't make sense the shit that's coming out. Like, I don't know how you're like super good and you succeed the way you do if you're blowing off meetings and shit like that. I don't get it, but no. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and once you listen to the interview with Dusty, you'll you'll see some of the stuff that he said in there, and and it makes sense. But I'll give it to you off air because the people have already heard, so we we could double tap on on some of that stuff but do you have anything more you want to get into before this one's over i I just want to tell people thanks for listening and subscribe like download do whatever the fuck they ask you to do on the thing give us five stars on the podcast thing i don't know whatever it is download it on a hundred devices i know you have a hundred devices laying around your house just download it on all of them uh, and then play it on silent overnight if you really want like, I'm gonna do it here. tonight, so so we get these these numbers up. So yeah, check so, it out. Especially this one. I mean, if you're to this point in this story, but we're gonna keep trying to get guys like Dusty on and stuff like that. And he's he's real good. So um, and we're gonna keep coming at you. And if any of you suckers are doubting the Brewers, the Bucks, the Packers, the Badgers, you can eat our Shorts rolling. Let's go. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't need my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't need my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't need my shorts. Eat my shorts.